Hello there. You're listening to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for Hercules. <laughs> My name is Tom Tom Chick, and to discuss Hercules with you, the listener, I've enlisted the help of Christian Malosky. I am Rusty. <laughs> and with our Hercules tagline, Kelly Wan. If Brett Ratner used 100% of his brain, he'd be Kellen Lutz. Kelly Wan, you've crossed the streams. I'm very disappointed in you. I'm gonna. There's a lot of Kellen Lutz. That's not the stream I'm concerned about. I've long since forgotten that stream. That stream is way too shallow to remember. That was the Hobbit to this thing or something. Uh, Let's see. Yeah, so Kelly Wan, that was also a Lucy reference. Yeah, which I didn't see, but you saw. I I saw twice this weekend. You saw it twice? I did. I went and saw it and immediately told Dingus, hey, when we go see Hercules, let's do a double feature. I want you to see this other movie. So Dingus and I went and saw uh, Lucy. Uh, Why aren't we not talking? Why can't we? (laughs) I think that the listener – so this podcast has had a um, longstanding consensus – that about Dwayne Johnson that I think the <laughs> listeners would like to hear us elaborate on a little bit. Yeah. They would be disappointed if we didn't talk about her. Scarlett Johansson's not on a role or anything that we have the slightest interest in cinematically. Do you really think we should have skipped? Or, you know, let's save that. We'll maybe get into Lucy, that. Who, do you think the listeners would rather hear us talk about Lucy or Hercules for two hours? I'm guessing Hercules. <laughs> really? Yeah. I, doubt, I seriously doubt that's true. But let's do it. Right, so Dingus, without spoiling anything, how would you how would you characterize the movie that we saw this week? All right, well, this week we saw Hercules, a 2014 American action adventure movie about buxom maidens and exciting bondage. It was directed by Brett Ratner and written by Ryan Kandal and Evan Spiliotopoulos. <laughs> Uh, okay. Based on the Radical Comics graphic novel Hercules: The Thracian Wars by Steve Moore, who really not, who does not want his name mentioned, and I apologize to him for mentioning. Why doesn't he want his name mentioned? Because like Alan Smithy in it? No, no, no. Uh, oh. He got screwed over on his fee when in some weird contract negotiation. By oh. Ratner? I can't believe it. It's hard to believe. Uh, it stars Dwayne Johnson. Yes, Kelly Wan. Do you have any sort of response to that? No. Do you? I'm saving mine for Harrison Ford. Uh. Axel Henney, Ingrid Balso Berdahl. Yeah, good times. I like her. Ruth I like Sewell. her midriff. Yeah. I like all of her. She's got a lot of good parts. That's I true. Like, I like her top drift and her bottom drift, too. Uh, so Rufus Sewell and Ian McShane. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Hercules is rated PG-13. Oh, come on. Four. Epic battle sequences. <laughs> Wait a minute. Oh, wow. That's PG-13 now? Epic? Yeah. Let's just call everything PG-13. If it were if it were just... Uh, Cartoon violence. You know, but uh, for epic back battle sequences, mm-hmm. violence, mm-hmm. which is separate. That is not epic. Uh, brief strong language. Oh, yeah. Brief it means... Okay, go on. Partial nudity. What? Partial. That's what the peach stands for. And... Suggestive comments. 
Oh, man. See, it's Do you even know what that means? <laughs> That's good. Uh, Hercules opened at number two. Lucy, meanwhile, opened at number one, kicked some serious ass at the box office, made $44 million. Lucy is off the chart. Uh, it's not, it is on the chart. It's not Are off you the kidding chart. me right now? Lucy was number one? Yeah, Lucy kicked ass. Oh, holy uh, cats. That's awesome. It is awesome. I, I was so delighted. I, I do think that uh, part of what's going on with Lucy, Lucy uh, didn't do – like it did mixed uh, – it got a mixed critical reception. But I think a lot of the Lucy traffic comes from – uh, Scarlett Johansson's like of it, like perceiving, hey, it's it's the the chick from Captain America and the Avengers, Avengers. in another action movie. I think there's a lot of sort of Avengers bleed off that went into Lucy, and I can imagine a lot of people going to Lucy and kind of going, what? Maybe there's under the skin bleed off that we don't know about. And I think under, yeah, that's yeah, the thing is, right. I, I think that Lucy has far more in common with Under the Skin than with the Avengers. Yeah. Uh, well, so good for her um, for opening an action movie like that, that's awesome. Good for yeah, her. Good for. Luke Besson from bouncing back from that family crap. Oh, Jesus, movie. family. Yeah. Uh, well, remember when she got blamed by the studio for the island failing? Like to go, you just, mentioned this before. I didn't you know, know about I, it. Yeah. It's just such a weird propaganda rap. But clearly... Well, the thing, the thing that amazes me about Scarlett Johansson isn't so much that she has, you know, really led this relatively small movie to a big opening it's that she has done this under the skin and her in the same within the same 12 months those movies that's, come out within yeah, the same 12 months phenomenal. and all three of those movies i just adored and found in in very smart ways i found all three of those movies very very subversive and all three of those movies her performance was a was a crucial part of what was going on in them um right. That's how it's, actors are streaky. It's like McConaughey and Sandra Bullock. Well, that's a pretty good streak, though. And you know, yeah. I'm not I'm not the biggest of world's biggest Scarlett Johansson fan. She can she can kind of drive me nuts sometimes, but I can't argue with what Tom just said. I mean, she's the key to making those movies work, I think, or a large key to it. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's much more of a collaborative thing going on with uh, with Joaquin Phoenix and in her. But as far as Lucy and Under the Skin, uh, she's squarely in the driver's seats in in both of those movies. But even in those, it still had to come together. Like it still had to have ten years worth of glazer behind it. Like just by chance, it's all in the same year. And I do think that too. This is, I don't know if Dingus agrees with me, but I do think that Lucy is kind of Luke Besson. I mean, it's all of his. There's so much Luke Besson. Uh, feeling stuff in Lucy, but it, it it really does feel like oh this is where he has come to like it does kind of feel like it's the fruition of all these themes and, and imagery and and stuff that he's been playing with for so long. I mean I see Lucy as kind of this more grown up version of Fifth Element in a way. Yeah, without Bruce Willis. Well, you need a Bruce Willis. You're invoking Kubrick though. Add Terrence Malick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely Terrence. Did you the- mention Terrence Malick when you wrote about it? Yeah, yeah. Like I, because yeah, I, 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 I thought the exact same thing. Yeah, I didn't see yeah, Lucy. There's, there's very much. This is weird, but there's very much some 2001 and Tree of Life in there. There's <laughs> definitely Tree of Life. I mean, this is the the shoot 'em up version of Tree of Life. But I mean, I don't mean to dismiss it. Um, but it, when we got to the end there, yeah, I definitely felt that same thing. Yeah. So Kelly Wand, you should see Lucy because the, the rest of America has. Yeah, Kelly. <laughs> I, you know, you wanted to do the Hercules podcast over a Lucy one. <laughs> I, had, so, I hadn't seen Lucy at that point, I confess. Would you, so in hindsight, you would have said, let's do a Lucy podcast, if you'd seen both. 
of movies, and you could pick which one you wanted to talk. No, about. I, I want to talk about Hercules. Come on, we've got yeah, a whole guess point. What? We, we just did, we're just gonna we're doing both right now. Ha-ha. There you go. See, no, I didn't uh, see it. So, uh, right. yeah, so Lucy's number one. Hercules opened at number two with twenty nine million, which uh, that's a lot. No, no. <laughs> Some people are very disappointed in this. <laughs> what they think? Wait, for the second. Hercules what did they think, Kelly Wand? What yeah. did they think? They thought G.I. Joe. They thought uh, all those Scorpion King things, which were like, what are those, 10 years old before uh, The Rock had uh, his sort of cinematic career behind him. They thought Fast and Furious 5. Those are the things they were, those are some of the things Scorpion they were. Scorpion King was a huge hit movie. Scorpion King was, wasn't that, I actually haven't seen it or them. Aren't there multiple ones? Wasn't that uh, an early rock vehicle? Well, yeah, vehicle yeah. for The Rock? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but he's playing a, the guy who was a villain in the one before, the Mummy movie. It's a little confusing. Yeah, I haven't seen those. Um, but wait, uh, what was the other? So twenty nine million, I think, is clearly a disappointment for. And also, he's been doing crazy amounts of press for it. Uh, you know, I just think they were banking on this being one of a, a solid tentpole movie. And I well, he's not in the he. It's an ensemble movie. That's the thing. So it was like you wouldn't know that for no. That's not how it's marketed. No, this is clearly marketed as a Dwayne Johnson movie, and it's going to make most of its money just being schlepped around to overseas markets that don't know any better. I guess Uh, it'll do fine, but I think they were clearly expecting it to perform stronger. They certainly weren't expecting that a Luc Besson movie was going to beat it. Um, Mm, It seemed like a weird programming strategy to me. I hate uh, talking like that, but. Well, yeah. I would have assumed Lucy would be Hercules, just because I wanted to see Lucy. Well, I, I never would have figured yeah, that. Yeah, I don't think it Really? That was an upset. No way. No way. That's <sighs> the critical reception. Mm. On Rotten Tomatoes, 62% of the reviews for Hercules are positive. Or are they at 63? Is that what you said? I'm sorry? What was the number? 62% reviews are, 62% of Rotten Tomatoes. It's the percentage of reviews that are positive. On Metacritic, which is the average of uh, various... Reviews, it is 46. <laughs> what do you think of that, Kelly? What is that? What is that? They're all even digits. Yes, but else quite a bit. Uh, um, that there's usually a 20 point differential. Uh, and the on, audiences. On Metacritic, um, Hercules beat Lucy. No, no, I'm sorry. On Rotten Tomatoes, Hercules did better. Those than- reviews suck, though. You know what? I thought we sucked till I read other reviews. On <laughs> Metacritic, however, Lucy did better than Hercules. Wow. Uh, uh, so the critics liked it more than audiences. Or Hercules' audiences are their bars lower. No pun intended. I will accept either one of those. Yeah, if that's your if that's your interpretation. I'm trying to interpret. I'm trying to because those guys they always go oh made twenty million less than projected, but like that's not an exact science. Like I don't know why. How would they even? It's just a computer that feeds a bunch of names into a marketing person. Kelly, I think you've gotten to the heart of that. Let's now get to the heart of what's going on <laughs> in Hercules. I want you to apply some of that key insight. To the plot of Brett Ratner's Her- – uh, should we call this Brett Ratner's Hercules? or How do we distinguish this from the Kellen Lutz Hercules? Which you guys think is better, Brett Ratner's Hercules or the Rise of Hercules? Rise of the Dawn of – Is the Rise of Hercules Kellen Lutz's movie? No, no. It's a line the, uh, the guy who tells stories. He has a line about the title of the movie. Basically. Oh, that's right. The Dingus character. Right, exactly. Uh, <laughs> hey, wait a minute. The Greek Dingus. <laughs> Don't you find yourself, like, when there's an ensemble movie, it's like, okay, which character would Kelly want? Dingus. would I be? Which is the Dingus. Dingus was clearly I'd be the more animal than man guy, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I thought I Tom would, would be, be Dwayne Johnson. I wanted to That's be Atalanta. <laughs> well, let's get let we'll get I into that in a moment. Idea. But first, Kelly, one I would like you to go ahead and give us a oh maybe a plot synopsis of Hercules. What would you call such a thing? Herculopsis, July to. 2014. Oh, you're going to date this one to distinguish it from Kelly yeah. Lutz's Hercules. Well done. That's a that's a that's a clever ploy, Kelly Wand. So it's, Kelly Wand, it's like, the Armageddon to Kelly Lutz's deep. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly Lutz's is, by the way, is called the Legend of Hercules. Okay, good. Drive it like Ian McShane drove it around the uh, in a rectangle around the barbarians. I have yep. to say, one of the things that came away from this movie with an appreciation for. It must have been freaking exhausting to drive anywhere in a in a in a chariot. Like you have to yeah. stand there. You kind of have to square your stance so you don't get shaken over. You're yeah. also having to do whatever you call it, control the horses. There's a word for that. I'm sure. Yeah. But you do the horse controls. You make sure you don't fall over. I just kept thinking, oh my god, why would you go any distance in a chariot? Like there's nowhere to sit. Chariots yeah. just you got to exhausting. Yeah. It's worse than walking. And where do you park it? Ugh, how do you back up a chariot, by the way? You can't. You can tell a horse. You can pull the horse backwards. How can you make a chariot go in reverse? It just really seems impractical. Should, anyway, so Kelly Wan, the Herculopsis July 2014. Uh, drive it like you stole it. Hmm. Well, there you go. Well, I guess he's just going to abstain from this one. <laughs> how about that? I've been looking forward to this. Uh, well, uh, I guess we'll just have to do it for him, huh? Uh, uh, oh, look. <laughs> He's back. He's going to tell us, don't just stand there. Kill someone. Ah, <laughs> uh, that was a good line. Uh, chariots had gridlock in Rome. Did you know that? I do now. Guy in Letterman said it. So. what I miss? <laughs> Uh, Kelly, on we would like a Hercules synopsis. A Herculopsis. Herculopsis. Oops. Some words are all. Kellen Lutz is bullshit, man. Oh wait, this is the kid talking. Sorry. Some words are all. Kellen Lutz is bullshit, man. We're gonna stick to the fucking authentic Greek facts till the opening credits. The real Hercules was the son of Zeus. Yep, the Zeus, not Sam Jackson from Die Hard Three or the cross-eyed black dude who played the president in Fifth Element, who was a villain named Zeus from No Holds Barred, this 1989 wrestling movie with Hulk Hogan. And true, unlike Harrison Ford, Dwayne Johnson hasn't played a president yet. But come on, it's bad taste to do a biopic about a sitting president unless it's a documentary like WJFK or either of the Lincolns. Anyway, Zeus's wife, Hera, sent a couple garter snakes to kill Hercules as a baby, but he tricked them with his hands. Seeing Hercules took after his old man when it came to snakes, so Hera gave up. A sassy old man we know is the bad guys because his lean... <laughs> a sassy old man we know is the bad guy because his teeth are lames all... All right, kid, I want to ask you if you had any last words before we dropped your butthole on that sharp stick here. I meant last words singular. So you got anything else to say? The kid's all. Uh, also, he's my uncle, which I guess makes me uh, part milk toast. Uh, I guess drop me on the stick. Oh, yeah, wait. Also, Hercules was so strong that he promised to do 12 things. Brett Ratner leans over to me and whispers, or labors, as they're known in Greek. The nephew's all. Uh, yeah, the fifth one was cleaning stables. He had to do that in a single day. Fucking serious godlike strength was required to sweep up all that hay in time. 
Actually, that's the one that might be apocryphal. But I know for a fact he heard of the giant's cattle because I saw the receipt. And uh, number 11 was stealing some apples. Finding that orchard was pretty tricky because all those pear branches kept slapping us in the face. A tied-up kid hanging over another sharp stick nearby is all. Hey, dude, can you hear this shit up? Was anything else in the trailer? Triumphantly, the kid's all. The end. My whole... <laughs> the end. Behold, my uncle's obscure silhouette. The bad guy's all. Fuck, no we should have posted guards. The shadow steps forward. The music's all. Whatever you were thinking. Nope. It's Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> As his war trophies, Hercules is wearing a bunch of hydra heads on his head, and a boar tusk is jammed up his nostril and a bloody lion's tail sticking out of his ass crack. He's all, Hi, kids. I could have acted through... Fuck me. (laughs) Dwayne Johnson is a better actor. Hi, kids. I could have attacked three hours ago, but I preferred to wait in the shadows here because the ending of my nephew's tale about my early work's my favorite part. The kid's all... Uh, well, you become a mercenary who hangs out with his nephew and a bunch of sidekicks. Dwayne Johnson's all, like Gary here, more animal than man. A guy with red hair and a speck of dirt on his face nods. Dwayne Johnson's all, and Atlantis, the so-called girl of the group. A red-haired chick, a red-haired chick walks on screen, bends over, and shoots an arrow. Dwayne Johnson's all... Also, uh, other Gary, he's kind of like Han Solo, but British-sounding. And for all you kids in the audience, Deadwood's Ian McShane. (laughs) His superpower is that he thinks he's going to get shot by a fire arrow in the third act. Ian McShane's all, The gods also told me we'd crush Lucy this weekend. (laughs) Technically, I'm agnostic. Brett Ratner's all, okay there, Poindexter, let's get back to the action. (laughs) Dwayne Johnson uses his papier-mâché turkey leg to somehow make his nephew fall (laughs) diagonally. The kid kid points at the stick and goes, look what I almost fell on. (laughs) Dwayne Johnson's all, don't worry, Stinky, you can still sexually disappoint servant girls and prostitutes. Sitting beside me, Brett Ratner laughs empathetically. The bad guy's all, extras, kill these exhausted tropes. Uh, just one or two at a time, though. We're not Venetians. <laughs> Beside me, Brett Ratner makes noises like a bunch of people running away. The bad guys all, uh, we don't get to see any of the fighting? What about me? Dwayne Johnson's all, nope, winks at us and starts to swing his drumstick at the camera, but its tip grazes the boom mic and knocks over a piece of CG. Dwayne Johnson stares at us. Eventually, some words in Flintstones fawn are all, Hercules! <laughs> Beside me, Brett Ratner's all, Fuck yeah, bitches! Finally! The words are all, Not the Kellen Lutz one. Brett Ratner's all, Fuck! Hercules and his pals trudge to a location. The music's all, Nothing's gonna happen for a while. Go ahead and zone out. They get to a town that consists entirely of a town square. A bunch of people stand in a cluster. One of them's holding a bowl. Hercules averts his gaze. Only the poor and disconsolate own bowls. The more animal than man friends all. Penny for your thoughts, old friend. Dwayne Johnston's all. Although that statue of Hera is all that 
Brett Ratner's focusing on for this entire shot. I guess there's a temple behind it. Wait, hair enthusiasts hired me? King John hurts all. Indeed, that statue took five men a thousand years to complete. Yeah, that was a good John Hurt, Kelly. Yeah, that's very good. Yeah, I like that. You should see me eat spaghetti. Let's do the Immortals podcast again. Ah, I missed that movie. A crucified slave looks up and goes, Hey, Dwayne, were you ever in love? Hercules is all. Nah. Oh, wait. Some words are all. Three years ago, in a slightly differently lit town square, Dwayne Johnson comes into a throne room full of kings and drops a soaking red burlap bag on his foot. Midas is all, look, everybody, it's Hercules in his bloody sack. One king in the back raises his mug. Dwayne Johnson drags his bag over to Ralph Fiennes and goes, here's that bag of Hydra heads you asked for. By the way, it turned out it was a bunch of servants. That made the fight a little easier. Not sure what the fuck they were thinking. Ralph Fiennes is all, damn, servants. Brett Ratner's all, Boo! He was singing at Norwich County. The flashback shimmers and stops. Dwayne Johnson farts awake to find John Hurt and everybody staring at him. He's all, yeah, anyway, uh, introduce the sidekicks again? Seriously? Okay, uh, this is Gary, Ian McShane, Red Sonia. John Hurt's all, ha, Greek mythology is no place for a woman. <laughs> she shoots an arrow into a reaction shot of a door. <laughs> John Hurt's all, ha, I stand corrected. (laughs) You'll certainly be facing a lot of doors where you're going. (laughs) I want you to train my farmers how to fight, then ride with me and them to a village and then a field to kill long-haired barbarian warlord named for a supernatural skill combining chocolate with peanut butter with results known to be startling to extraterrestrial botanists. In exchange, I'll pay you an unspecified amount. <laughs> Dwayne Johnson's all good. Hercules does not labor for free, except for those 12 ones. But that was before I realized I had a nephew and British sidekicks. Actually, I think Brett Ratner might have confused me with Sinbad. <laughs> Brett Ratner leans over beside me and whispers, His performance in Good Burger was what made me want to be a director. Some words in a hip-hop font are all later that evening in the same place, though. A little kid with a haircut toddles along behind Dwayne Johnson as he wanders around the sandbags. My mom told me when he labors as the tooth fairy, he was making golden showers all over the Medusa. <laughs> Dwayne Johnson's all. Did Michael Bay do punch up? I mean, speaking of Medusas, here's your loving mother. <laughs> Sciatica, why are you at a hospice? As the script refers to this dimly lit alley. <laughs> She's all. I love sickness, so I taught myself the art of healing. I was so good, the kingdom ran out of the sick. To have someone to practice bone surgery on, I had to keep throwing myself off the roof of the palace. Those were the best 50 years of my life. Brett Ratner leans over to me and whispers, Later in the movie, the Greek kid's mom shows up at the campfire where Dwayne Johnson and his pals hang out all day while the farmers train themselves to sit at different campfires. The mom's all, Hi, it's my character again. I baked you all this basket of bandages. The Han Solo guy's all, Ha, 
Finally, some female companionship. <laughs> we normally only have the physically repulsive Red Sonia here to jerk off to. <laughs> Red Sonia's all. Y- your dicks is dumb. Your tongue is all stupid. <laughs> Everybody winces and looks away. They're all uh, uh, disappointing retort for a woman. <laughs> Shoot arrow. Yeah. Shoot there. The mom character saw. Dwayne, did you kill your wife and kids after getting drunk with a three-headed dog? He saw. It's a long story. Some words are all. Five seconds later, King John Hurt goes with the mercenaries and the farmers he paid them to train to kill barbarians, even though we never saw him train. They ride into a village full of corpses. Dwayne saw. That's weird. None of the barbarian corpses have even PG-13 blood on them, and they're all giggling at us. Hey, McShane, this is a trap. What day do you die again? McShane's all. I think Thursday. Wrote it down somewhere. Also, I might die to a water arrow. Gods and I were pretty high. Suddenly, the barbarians all stand up and attack them, but luckily, Ian McShane brought a chariot. Some words are all. Meanwhile, Hercules and his pals look at some barbarian guys on horseback a few feet away on a ridge. The nephews all. Guys, look, centaurs! Now I know how the Aztecs will feel. The head barbarian rides up on a camel. The nephew's all, guys, look, he's a minotaur. <laughs> the head barbarian takes off his cow head and goes, I am Rhesus. <laughs> they named him Rhesus. I know. You know, the famous Rhesus from Greek myth. Thing is, <laughs> from the Rock takes. And, uh... The other joke I did. The Rock takes his lion mask off. Rhesus puts his back on. Eventually, the barbarians submit to being arrested. As they're being led off screen to barbarian jail, Rhesus is all, By the way, Hercules, I probably should have mentioned this earlier, but I was framed by John Hurt. I may be barbaric, but I draw the line of burning highly flammable unoccupied thatch huts. John Hurt takes off his crown mask. He's all, it's true, I burned my own villages to make you fool mercenaries accept money for teaching my 18 farmers how to conquer the planet. <laughs> Suckers. <laughs> the animal more than man's all, wait, if you were in on it, why'd you go with us into that ambush? <laughs> John hurts all, just for that, and imprisons them all. Except for the Han Solo guy who leaves town rich but troubled in off-screen spirits. While they're all sitting around the dungeons feeling dumb, Ralph Fiennes comes in and goes, By the way, Dwayne, I killed your wife. I drugged you with dogs. <laughs> what was he, another king? He's <laughs> like from the island of misfit toys. <laughs> <laughs> That's not Bruce Blanche. Kind of like in Hannibal. Both Hannibals. Colin Farrell. John Hurtsall. Just for that! It's <laughs> to be the mom character. Ian McShane's all. Dwayne, I know I probably should have said this before. <laughs> Don't forget your name. Dwayne's all. I am no! And swings the dungeon at Ralph Fiennes. They say the usual stuff, and eventually Hercules says a one-liner to a guy who's dead.
Brett Ratner nudges me and goes, Revenge! Dwayne and the rest walk outside and fight the farmers by setting a couple of them on fire. The general's about to stab Hercules, but the nephew tiptoes up and stabs him in the side. The nephew's all, See, Uncle, looks like I'm ready to fight now. Long as I come up on dudes from behind, I'm fucking unbeatable. The music's all, See, kids, look how awesome it'd be to be Hercules' nephew. Eventually, Dwayne Johnson tricks John Hurt by knocking a statue into him and over a cliff that suddenly shows up. (laughs) This instantly puts all the fires out. (laughs) I don't think I believe you. I'm adding things. Brett Ratner didn't think it. The head of the farm is all, Guys, look, that guy just broke a statue. They all kneel. One guy's all, Hercules made the six-year-old our king! Yay! The kid's all, Tax rates are now 9 zillion percent! I need Hercules! <laughs> Hercules and his friends pose on stage until the farms cheer. A town crier unrolls a scroll and goes, By order of the Senate, Hercules and his friends are hereby declared saviors of the city. They hand Red Sonia the key to the city, and she knocks it to her bow and shoots it at a door. It shatters, blinding a few people. Her friends roll their eyes affectionately. More animal than man, guys all. Sonia, not that kind of knock. Everybody laughs till the couple farmers still hanging around cheer again. The Han Solo guy walks on screen. He's all, hey, I came back for this one shot. (laughs) (laughs) Although I am keeping the money. Brett Ratner leans over to me and goes, Star Wars! <laughs> I lean over to Tom and go, Look which actor Dwayne Johnson sidekick's paying homage to. The nephew's all, Guys, look through my telescope. I think I see a face on Mars. Somebody wake up Archimedes. But they're all right, Kenny. Learn how contrast works. Ian McShane's is all, uh, so I guess I'm now the storyteller. Uh, okay. Well, anyway, so that's how it went down. Uh, to knock John Hurt over a cliff. Personally, I prefer Brett Ratner's version to the ancient Greeks when it comes to drama. Remember, kids, being a true hero is not about marriage. Make shit up. Whatever you want. If you ever wake up from a blackout and find your wife and kids murdered, it's probably Ralph Fiennes. How should I know? The only Homer Brett Ratner knows about is the float from Tower Heist. That's the end of that. The end. Thank you, Kelly Wan. Is there such a thing as minor Ratner? Is that phrase even possible? Wouldn't you call it Rush Hour 2, probably? Oh, he directed all of them? Did he? I don't know. Okay, Rush Hour 1. There you go. Hmm. Uh, all right, so... Chris Tucker, Luke Besson. I'm sorry? And, well, Chris Tucker was in Fifth Element, Luke Besson, and then he's in Rush Hour, Brett Ratner, and now Brett Ratner versus Luke Besson. And look who won. Right, look who won. Yeah. Uh, all right, who's going first? Ugh. All right, Kelly Wan went first. I'm done. <laughs> Dingus, in one syllable, what's your reaction? Yay! Yeah, that's my reaction. Ugh. Well, you saw Lucy twice and this once, and you liked both of them, and you give this one a solid yay. No, Dingus gave it the solid yay. I was okay with it. I mean, I, I, I it has a, Dingus, explain your yay. Oh, I, I just had a good time. 
I, I, I was su- surprised. I, I can't stand Brett Ratner because I felt like he ruined where the X-Men franchise was going. Uh, you know, Brian Singer bailed to do, uh, Superman Returns or whatever the hell that movie was called. Um, and, uh, and left the franchise in Brett Ratner's hands in the last stand. It's horrible. Um, so we got a good Superman movie out of it. <laughs> um, so I just I don't trust the guy, but I I think the the movie has a, a great sense of humor. Certainly, it benefits from uh, Dwayne Johnson understanding his own persona and having a sense of humor about himself. And uh, it, I think it does a lot of things that are really good. It's ultimately pretty dumb, uh, but I I liked enough about it to go yay. One of my problems with it is I, I thought it was a little too earnest. Like, uh, Dwayne Johnson is so good at, uh, just sort of winking at the audience and being in on the joke and the camp. And I, I, I came away from this movie. I didn't, I didn't really have a strong reaction to Last Stand because I'm not invested in the X-Men. And I, you know, I don't remember Rush Hour, but I know Brett Ratner is, um, kind of a lower level director, you might say. So I came away from this really aware that I don't think Ratner really knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there were a lot of bits of this movie where it seemed like the director didn't understand that, you know, this is kind of light, fun stuff. And why are we focusing on, you know, why aren't we letting Dwayne Johnson sort of be goofy more often? Um, why is he having to play straight man so much? Um, and some of that seemed really odd. You know, why are we telling this? this he's always the straight man, isn't he? Dwayne Johnson? No, 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 he's not. Oh, but yeah. I- but I Come think on, Fast Five, Kelly Wand, he's not the straight man. Tooth Fairy, <laughs> Tooth Fairy, and I'm not joking at all about this. Tooth Fairy, it's him and Stephen Merchant riffing off each other. And it, it, he's got great comic timing. I think this movie was light in tone. I'm surprised that that's your complaint with it, that you thought yeah, it was yeah, too. Yeah, that was like Ocean's Eleven chill. No, I mean, they do stuff about him, you know, they, he's really supposed to be anguished about his uh, uh. the loss of his wife and children, and we're really supposed to hate this evil king. Uh, here's, a, here's an example. Um, so at the end, you know, the, the merry band, and I did appreciate, by the way, that it was an ensemble movie, uh, so I at least like... Um, yeah, and I think that's what he trusts. But at, at the end, um, so we've got the ensemble, and they're all fighting, I think one of the examples of the movie being in earnest and Brett Ratner really not knowing what he's doing, why did we kill the animal guy? That seemed so pointless and such the kind of thing that would happen in an earnest movie where we really want the heroes to suffer and to come through some sort of a calamity and be stronger. It just felt so senseless and pointless in a movie that I should have felt good about and should have had Dingus's reaction. Because he's sort of unadulterated, yay, why are we killing that animal guy? Because he had to save the kid because he was the kid who was saved. Right, so wound him and he'll be fine. It just seems like that right there is an example of the movie trying to be earnest and serious and and create this sense of sacrifice. That was was a cliche, and that was just cliche number nine million three. Okay, well, fair enough, but I do think that I would have rather gone for the cliche where he's wounded and he'll be okay. Well, there's a lot of jokes in the movie, I'm surprised. Sure, sure, absolutely. But there's also a lot of uh, serious stuff. You know, this whole idea that, uh, well, uh, this whole, uh, all the stuff they play with, which I did kind of like about the the difference between, uh, like, like, the legend and the reality. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of that seemed, like, really earnest. Like, you know, oh, let's, uh, you, you know, what? and it almost, I got this sense that it was, like, this wrestler persona 
kind of thing that that uh, maybe is part of who Dwayne Johnson is. I hated so there's, that. There's this legend, and we're just going to let people believe that. And uh, you know, that, that seemed like a fairly serious approach. That wasn't like played for for laughs. Um, I, and I actually do feel like the first. Uh, I guess the first half of the movie is very clearly trying to be a Seven Samurai kind of deal. Yeah, the whole movie is. Well, no, not the whole, because Seven Samurai doesn't have that whole deal where, oh, and then it turns out you've been betrayed by the king. Um, Well, it's a... I mean, Seven Samurai stops with... Third act of Seven Samurai. But there's more deaths in the Seven Samurai. But... um, The... I'm so tired of it. I just Hercules is a really cool legend. Like it's one of the really interesting stories, and they 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 fuck it up in different ways every time. And then this one's like, even this is the Battle L.A. one to Kellen Letts' skyline where I did laugh. Like that one was funny to me, and I had to kind of. I mean, you say they fuck it up, but what else are you going to do? Did you just want like a, a one of the labors shown or something? Or the goes to hell. That's kind of good. Come on, the strongest a demi guy going into hell and fucking. Battling demons and shit with a fucking giant club. Okay, I'll have to see that. But we get that in the notice that the in the trailer for this movie or the marketing stuff that you avoid. All they covered was the monster stuff that turns out to be all bullshit. Oh, they make you think that there's going to be yeah. like they're showing you the Cerberus. I think, I think that's the best part of the movie. Well, that's what I'm saying. But we could have a whole movie about that stuff. Or are you I, saying what are you saying? Thing is, you like those fake outs. I, lo- I love I love that whole uh, is he is or is he ain't kind of the mm-hmm. thing about this that this this isn't about a god it's about an orphan who might very well believe that he's that or maybe he doesn't and maybe he just bought into it and then he is convinced that he's a hero regardless of mm-hmm. of whether the gods exist and I love all that stuff of the hydras are really uh, just uh, serpent heads on these on these assassin or soldiers and that the centaurs are this and that the, uh, that Cerberus turns out to be just these three wolves who are, by the way, like battling in the background while we're trying to have a scene. I, I mean, I, I love that, that it kind of just, it humanizes the Greek myth because I love, I like, you know, Greek mythology is one of my favorite things that I studied in sixth grade. And, and so I love the uh, idea of having sort of a Sinbad kind of a movie, but this just isn't that this is a, a human version of that. And I really, really like that that the movie goes to that. I, I, I really thought that that's a kind of a bold choice because you could have just gone through a bunch of CG of Hydra heads and well, we and got whatever. that anyway, though. I mean, we got that anyway with the, the flashbacks and with the perceptions and with seeing the centaurs in the battle. Like, that's where I'm no, but, with but Kelly. those flashbacks are, are just nightmares and dreams. The reality turns out to be right. they're just guys on that's horses and, and the Hydras are just And that's where I'm and kind of with Kelly... Kelly Wand and saying that I think that fucks up the Greek mythology. You know, Greek mythology is fantastical stuff, right. and it's the gods and it's mythological creatures. And, and I, that's, that's the best claim to saying that this fucks up, as Kelly Wand put it, the legend of Hercules. Hercules takes place in a place where that's real. So what I was kind of hoping for, you know, this is an X Files thing. Like, oh, right. we have believers and we have the non-believers, and who's going to prevail? And in the end, it's all the mundane stuff that, that yeah. fails. Why I felt too that it was like more of a Seven Samurai. You know, if we're going to be set in mythology, play with the fantastical elements of it. Um, But that's not the point of this movie. This isn't called the Which is why I think that that's about a man, right? Which is why I think that's a ridiculous thing to do. Not a ridiculous. Which is why I would agree with Kelly Wan's assessment that it's kind of screwy to make this a Hercules movie. 
It's a bummer, and I think kids want to see that. They want to go, oh, wait, so I'm not – so just saying your guys as cool as it would be to actually do all that shit and like have this imaginative journey. I, I do wonder – and I, again, I just feel like Brett Ratner really kind of doesn't know what he's doing. He's but I do wonder is maybe the, the comic – and I don't know the comic – and is, are the folks who did the script – um, like, were they hoping Invoking. to make the movie more kind of subversive in that way? Like, here's this fantastical world, and we're going to deprive you of that fantastical stuff. Um, and I just feel if there's any attempt to be subversive, Brett Ratner didn't really bring it to the forefront. Instead, it felt like kind of fake-outs. Um, these kind even of... Even like, You know what it reminded me? It's like Scooby-Doo. You know, it's all Scooby-Doo stuff, where there's the ghost, but then you pull the blanket off, and it's old Mr. Fogarty or whatever trying to scare the kids. Like, all of that stuff... Uh, I didn't mind it as much as Kelly, but I do agree. Well, why are you making a Hercules movie if you're going to deprive us yeah. of the fantastic? Well, we've doing, we've already seen Hercules movies yeah. like that. That's what's so great about this. This is Hercules that's why I'm saying. Do they feel that they're, right, that's what's so, so much fun about it. I mean, that's okay. You say that's it. fun, but I sort of feel like I, that that's kind of not fun because what's fun about Hercules is the crazy stuff. That he's fucking awesome. going to do if you're going to do a subversive script. Don't give it to Brett Ratner. <laughs> uh, you know, give it to someone who can really play more with the subversiveness of it. Because to me, it felt like fake outs. And I was kind of wondering, oh, well, at some point, we're going to actually see the supernatural stuff. Right. Well, what's a fake out? No, there's no fake yeah. out. It's- the fake out is showing the centaur watching the battle when nobody in the camp sees it, showing to the audience an effect of a centaur. Uh, you know, the, the fake out is. We clearly, as the audience, see a centaur that no characters in the movie saw. Because we okay, because we've been told that, and we're expected to see that. That's that's the whole that's the whole sort of layer of storytelling within the movie that that they're they're told stories and by the uh, by the the nephew character, and everybody expects to see those stories as ridiculous as he's become. So they they see what they're expected to see as we see what we expect to see, and then that and then that's not a fake out. That's that's showing that's us what we expect we, to the see. The audience don't. We don't. Why are? Why is Brett Ratner trying to trick us into thinking there's? Yeah, into an answer. That's, that's the point of the movie. That's the point that he's making. That that this is a man who is uh, fighting as a man, but using a legend to help him fight as a man, and then as a mercenary, and then finding a way to be a hero and understanding that that being a hero is part of being a human for him. I mean, I like that. I love that aspect of it. That, And I love the way Dwayne Johnson plays it. I think he plays it perfectly. And I think he trusts that he has an ensemble who can carry all of those silly moments so that he doesn't have to wink at the camera. I love that he doesn't do that. He's, he's subtle and funny enough that he never has to wink at the camera. I mean, he can pull off that, like, snapping the arrow head off, and I'm like, why are you doing that? And then he ends up stabbing the guy in the forehead. And that's hilarious because he's... He's got such this power behind him and this comic energy that is just sort of there. I mean, I I think he's great in this. I don't disagree with any of that, but I do think you're reading far too much into this idea of a fake. I I really do think they wanted to be able to pretend there were going to be supernatural elements and they were going to take that away from us. But I do feel that showing the audience supernatural things when other characters don't see them and when other characters aren't describing events, and it's specifically that one shot of a centaur, um, that that's a fake out. Uh, and certainly, okay. by the way, the I'll silly, stipulate that, that that's probably even, true. I and think, even the visual I think he's effect faking thing us is, out as the storyteller is faking everybody else out. 
And even the visual effect of, oh, there's centaurs up there, and oh, the camera swings around, and nope, it's just dudes on horses. That was CG. <laughs> there was yeah. no visual okay. trick there. That was as that was as. So what ends? So what? That's so. Is, so are you saying that's not a fake out then? Since he showed us? No, I'm saying it is a fake out. I'm saying that this whole idea of but he, we're he just going revealed to, it to us with CG by faking yeah, it out by showing us by showing us that the audience CG of a centaur and and then saying oh it's a trick of the light. Not that it's a trick of CG. No, no. It didn't have CG back. It's not yet. a trick of the light. It's it's a trick of imagination. It's a trick of belief. Okay. It's belief. Okay, well, I in the audience didn't believe in centaurs, but if he's going to put them in his movie when characters in the movie aren't seeing them, I'm thinking, ooh, there's a centaur there. That's how Thanks, they're right. Thanks that's for giving what, me that tip, Brett Ratner. That's yeah. what he's doing. That's what the storyteller's doing. I mean, so you are totally buying into this idea us. that there's a subversive narrative layer tricking yes. the audience. You are giving Brett Ratner credit for trying to create a meta narrative as far as how the audience perceives the actions. Absolutely, and I'm no Brett with Ratner. one shot of a centaur. Just make fun of me as much as you want, but I believe that 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 is that is part of the point because the storyteller in the movie is the CG for their for for them. CG for us is that. It's a legal move, though, Tom. Like in the conversation, he has Cindy Williams say the line differently in different ways. Right, and here's – and my whole thing is I don't think Brett Ratner knows what he's doing. Sure. All of that is (laughs) – giving it credit is like creatively intentional. I don't think that's the case. I think think Brett Ratner just just doing little fake outs and at some point deciding, you know, oh, we'll just – you know, we'll we'll lean towards we'll tease the audience with this idea that yeah, there's going to be supernatural stuff in the movie, and then we're not going to do that in the end. And by the way, it totally plays as you mentioned, Kelly Wand. That's how they marketed it. You know, yeah. that's part. Of, and if you want to think of the meta narrative layer, sure, you, you it even goes to the marketing, so it's even more insidious. Uh, and, I, and I just really do agree with Kelly Wand though that if you want to do a subversive take on Hercules. Make a better movie, because if you just want a fun popcorn movie, this was fine for that, and I'm okay with it. But I do feel like they're missing out on a lot of what makes using yeah. this, this subject, Greek mythology, special, and what you can do to make it fun. You know, that the Sinbad stuff you talked about, Ding, is what Ray Harryhausen did to play around with that and give character these these fantastical special effects. That's what made those fun. And I would have liked to have seen Dwayne Johnson fighting a real Hydra. Mm-hmm. You know, I would have liked to have seen I I. That, that's one of the things that actually worked for me in the um, Wrath of the Titans, the Clash of the Titans sequel, was it just got batshit crazy. With, hey, here's Sam Worthington fighting, I don't even remember what they were, but but some of that crazy fantastical stuff um, was, as we were, it was super fun. And Immortals. Well, I, I, Immortals. I agree with you, that, yeah. that stuff is fun, but that's not this movie. And this movie I know, is, thank you. It's subverting that. That oh, this movie uh, is subverting that's, that. That's where I think, yeah, Brett Ratner wouldn't know what subversion meant if you gave him a dictionary. But he just did it to you. He just did it to you. <laughs> oh, he just fooled you. Wow, Brett Ratner got me. Okay. Yeah. You're now, I'm not saying he's not a ham-handed director and he can't handle a lot of scenes and some of the stuff is sloppy. I'm not saying that. But he just did that to you. He just subverted you. I'm assuming it's in the comic, though, which means he just snaked it from the source material. Well, that's why I say that if you're going to have a script about subverting the legend of Hercules, don't give it to Brett Ratner. Well, yeah, don't give anything to Brett okay. Ratner. <laughs> if he really give a shit. Obviously, they didn't. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, Dwayne Johnson, I don't know. He's not bad at it, 
But uh, he's not in the movie very much. So. Well, it's because it's an ensemble thing. Yeah, I didn't it is because that. his character is mostly serious. He's got a couple of little cute moments. I like they the, give the the funny wacky stuff to the other parts in the ensemble. Yeah, I didn't like his. I didn't like his backup crew at all. I didn't like. Ta- it was similar to Tower Heist. I didn't like the. Did, group. I didn't. I, how can you not like Ian McShane yeah. and Rufus? Sewell? I did like him. I did like that, him. That Ian no McShane and Rufus Sewell are amazing. What are you talking about? Wait, the backup crew is awesome. No, the nephew. Was the, Rufus is the nephew. I agree. I was like, oh, that's the. And again, no, if it's Dingus, but that's like, oh, that's the. They, this is a good-looking young guy. They're just throwing in. He can't act. But Rufus Sewell <laughs> was the Han Solo guy. You know who Ian McShane is, yeah. and uh, I want to say Bernal. What was her name? Ingrid. Ingrid Bonsoverdal. She was. She uh, was great. I loved her. Yeah, she was good. Um, who but, am I missing from the crew? Is that the uh, four? They, oh, and the animal boy. The yeah. animal boy that they killed. Okay. Owen Wilson, played by Owen Wilson. Stop it. His name is Axel Henny. No, that was Owen Wilson. I'm pretty. I didn't sure. like that he had a crew. It was so not what I wanted. Well, that again, by the way, is another thing. Like, if you're going to use Hercules, yeah, he was never an ensemble dude. It's a million myths you can raid if and you want to. That's something they say in the movie, though. They, they're like, it, it, they make that point that I know, I know. It, it's all me, but it's, I know. You know, everybody thinks it's all me, but this is the reality. This is the reality of who I am. We've I mean, been subverted by, about that. by Brett Ratner again. Uh, Tom, did you ever see the movie Headhunters? Of course, I've told you to see it. <laughs> Wait, well, I, oh, I he was the lead guy in Headhunters. Yeah, Axel, Axel Henry. Oh my God, I can't believe that. I can't uh, believe I, I, well, it's because he's under all that stupid makeup. Of course, yeah. But I love him so much. I love the way he plays that part. I love that, especially that moment where he he tries to charge at the shields the second time, and he gets that like, goofy smile. I didn't see that coming. Oh, I love that guy so much. Subverted. Uh, is he good in Headhunters? Oh, you haven't seen it? No, he's excellent in Headhunters, yeah. Oh, good. Uh, well, Headhunters is all about this awesome interplay between him and, uh, not Jamie, uh, Walter, Walter, Nikolai Costner Waltnow. What is his name? Nikolai Costner Jamie Lannister, just call him his real name. Right. Uh, but yeah, that guy, I forgot, that's him. Of course that's him, yeah. Uh, As the animal guy? Yeah, so the animal guy is in a really cool Norwegian thriller called Headhunters, which I've mentioned before. Yeah, he's a Norwegian actor. But I don't see, yeah, I'm, I'm with Dingus as far as the ensemble. I really liked the ensemble, except the, and even the little Dingus character got it. I, I don't want to call him that. What was that guy's name, Dave? The nephew. Uh, I have no idea. I, guess, I couldn't care less to look him up. He was yeah. highly forgettable, which is sad because yeah. you're calling He plays him. the forgettable character. Yeah. But also, E. McShane stole that fucking chariot thing from Shogun Assassin, where it was like a baby carriage with blades on the side. Like, everything was ripped off. I was not crazy about a lot of the... I was okay with a lot of the action, but I really did like that battle sequence, because it reminded me of... um, so, so this podcast gets posted on a video gaming site, and I do a lot of writing about video games. It reminded me a lot of a kind of a horde mode in like a zombie game, uh, this idea. And there were even these really cool overhead shots of here's the formation to sort of give you situational awareness. And they create this sense of the endless hordes of those guys running in. You know, visually, they've, they were very distinct from the defenders. So you could sort of see what was going on. Uh, and I do want to give Brett Ratner credit for staging a really cool battle scene that gets really crazy. Uh, you know, once that that chariot comes out and for, unfolds the blades, it was even more like a Dead Rising game. Um, I really liked that battle sequence uh, a lot. I loved that battle sequence, and and I, we both loved it so much that the guy uh, sitting one seat away from me got mad at us. <laughs> you mean because your boners were poking him in the head? 
Uh, well, yeah, we were standing on either side of him with our boners in his ears. No, uh, I, there was a, a empty seat next to me, and then there was this tough guy sitting with his girlfriend, like a seat over, and the, the theater was pretty full. Uh, and we we're just, uh, you know, I was enjoying the hell out of that scene. And I'm laughing at, you know, for the, you know, from the moment that uh, that he snaps off her arrow and he stabs the guy in the head, and there's all this other stuff. There's all this. One of the things I like about the fighting is that there's a lot of brawling stuff that goes on. Um, and then when the chariots like blades stick out, and then they're just doing that overhead terrible CG sweeping motion of the, the chariot running around and around and cutting guys' heads off. We're just laughing and having a great time. And other people in the theater are too. And this guy leans over to me and he's like, dude, chill out. What? Yeah. And I was and I went, what? And he goes, chill out. That's such movie audiences are so fickle. He was really mad that we were laughing. It, it, and, uh, you know, I, I admit I have a really obnoxious, loud laugh, so I tried to tone him down a little bit for, you know, to respect other people in theater. But then I'm like, there's dudes behind us laughing, too. You're supposed to sort of enjoy what's yeah, going it's a on. Laugh. There's no dialogue. It's just music and shit. But that, that guy was so mad at me. He's like, dude, chill out. out? I thought it was like an old an old man sitting over there. You said that dingus? No, no. It was like, <laughs> this dude get heckled a lot. It was a dude in a like a tank top with a cap on and like, tattoos all over him. It might have been uh, Axel Henny, actually. Um, but then Tom later told told a dude to turn his phone off. And uh, and so I felt What? God, it sounds like an eventful evening. It was awesome. <laughs> I forgot if that was that or Lucy, but yeah, at one point there's a guy a couple of rows up who's got his cell phone out, and uh, you know there you can either like sort of whisper was it the same guy stop talking. <laughs> what was funny? It was a different no, it was guy. A guy up front. It was the same movie because I thought, well, this guy just told me to shut up, and now the guy I'm seeing the movie with told somebody else to shut up. I'm in this weird sort of it's triangulation. Shut up. shut up! He pulled out his cell phone and he was a few rows down, yeah. and I just it was a quiet moment, and there's just like sort of public shaming element. I just said, "Sir, would you please turn your cell phone off." And he got up and walked out. And everybody clapped. <laughs> really? No. no, no. He did get up and walk out, which is what you should do if you need to be checking your messages. He was one of those guys, too, who was clearly like holding it up at eye level. And yeah, it was through really, it. really so, annoying. And I saw it, too, and I'm just like, oh, dude, get done soon. And then Tom's just finally like, will you just not do that? And, it and was I think fine. it was like an old man, too. Like I kind of felt bad this old guy oh. shuffles out. And I'm like, oh. He wasn't that old. Okay. He was fine. Yeah, and he, he, bad. He, there's a Goldilocks zone for heckle targets. <laughs> uh, how do you feel about Dwayne Johnson having a personal groomer in this movie, Kelly Wand? Uh, Archer chicks pull on it too hard. One, two, three, not only you and me, got one eighty degrees, and I'm caught in between. Yeah, I'll take her over a Legolas any day of the week. Oh, yeah. You mean have sex with? Are you sure? No, just in a movie. Uh, <laughs> wait, wait a minute. Hold on. Let me think. Now that you phrased it that way. Uh, are you supposed to use a bow that way? Wouldn't that hurt it? Like, she was banging that bow around quite a bit, and I was a little concerned yeah. about You know, is that really good for the wood? Um, well, <laughs> if you grip the shaft that low, you got to make sure that you don't over-torque. Clinch up, Legolas. <sighs> I don't know. That's why I use horsehair condoms. Probably uh, one better. Uh, so we all like this better than the Kellen Lutz one, of course, right? Oh, good None Lord. of us dislike that mm-hmm. one. Wow, Kelly Wand. Uh, let me. I like. Uh, 
I don't know. I like both the girls in both the movies. So that's a wash. But the Count Waltz one was funnier. And you made it funnier when you talked about it coming out of the water. Well, Kellen Lutz, the one, for me, I, I laughed at it. I had a great time laughing at it. I was laughing That's... along with this one. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I think Rennie Harlan versus Brett Ratner. Uh, I know, it's, it's, a lot of it is the, is the cast. There's nothing comparable to the cast in this Brett Ratner yeah. Hercules in the Kellen Lutz one. Yeah, McShane, actually, like, he had the one arc where I felt subverted. Fuck. Like it was the, it, the all the cliches make you go oh and then the Ian McShane cliche will be that but then all right well enough of that let's do a three by three what do you got for feel about uh yeah it's that time isn't it what do you got for us Dingus I've oh, yeah. got uh your three favorite uh, pool tables pool table scenes billiards moments I like pool tables in movies and I'd seen uh, we watched uh, Purge Anarchy. Uh, last week, and I watched the original Purge before that, and there was a, a scene with a pool table in it, and it made me think about how pool tables appear in movies. Um, so this isn't necessarily movies about pool, uh, although you can do that if you want. Uh, I just chose things that uh, pool pool table scenes or billiard scenes that I really like. What was the scene from the Purge? The first Purge. Uh, there's just there's a scene where uh, where there, there's kind of a battle scene in the room that has a pool table in it and and some stuff goes down with the pool stuff. Someone get oh I wish I'd remembered that because I'm trying to think of fights with pool tables. I mean, I mean it really wasn't that big of a deal. It's just me seeing you know you know kind of, by the time you get to that point in the original purge you're kind of looking at other stuff and uh, I saw a pool table and I'm like hey I like that. What if swimming pools had green bottoms? It's a very good question, Kelly Wand. We'll investigate that stat. But first, Kelly Wand. I think they'd be ponds. (laughs) Kelly Wand, I want you to tell me your number three pick for a pool table. I really like this topic because pool tables are really evocative and cinematic. And it seemed like. I, I had no idea what to it. do with this. I had one great one. Really? Then I finally had to, and I kind of feel like this is cheating, but I had to do a – so IMDb lets you search keywords. And I had to put in like – you know, a pool was constantly pulling up like uh, – what's that one with uh, uh, Nev Campbell and Denise Richards in the pool? Wild, Wild things. Things. Yeah. Oh, like, You're not allowed to do that. No, I know. No, no. Pool? I know. that That's like pool. So I was like, what do you – oh, billiards or pool table. So I did IMDb sure. searches where that was a keyword. And several movies came up that I was like, there was a pool table scene in that movie, which I'll mention later. Um, and it, actually, that didn't even help me. But anyway, I didn't know what to do with this. So Kelly Wand, I'm glad you liked it. Uh, and I look forward to seeing what Dingus comes up, up with. But what do you have for your number three pick, Kelly Wand? My number three pick is from the movie Lombada, in which... <laughs> the Forbidden Dance? The Forbidden Dance movie, based on the Forbidden Dance dance. Um <laughs> There's, it's about a high school teacher who teaches the kids that math is cool, and they teach him that morning and um, at one, during the training montage, he goes to the pool hall and uses a protractor to bilk the tough juvie dude out of uh, a 20, I think, a fin, as they call it, uh, by using a protractor to make like this trick shot. That involves like nine cuts, so I mean, he probably didn't actually make it. Who's in Lombarda? Uh, Rodrigo Santoro, Santorum, and also Lou Diamond Phillips. Oh, 
I'm still disappointed. We talked about this before the podcast that Kelly Wan doesn't know who Brianna Evigan is. I find that deeply, deeply disappointing. Greg Evigan was on my two dads, and Brianna Evigan. What was she in Mind Games? Here's the deal. Brianna Evigan is basically uh, a slightly. I don't want to say this. She's kind of a. An, she's the American Sharni Vinson. Oh. She was in Step Up to the Streets. She's in the Tiger. She was in the Mother's Day remake with Rebecca De Mornay. She's in Mind Games, which I told you about. Which of those should I see first for her? Step Up Two. I'm not. You're, you're laughing. I am not. Did you hear me laugh after I said that, Kelly? Wong? No, I didn't. Okay. I didn't hear you. I wasn't listening. Deadly Earnest. Uh, yeah, Brianna Evigan. Was what? Keely Hazel. Do you know who that is? Oh, I do know who that is. Why do I know who that is? Because yeah. I mentioned her on the podcast once before, right. and then you you did a non-safe search for her. Oh, what's she from? I don't know. Uh, calendars. Yeah. Oh, she's some footballer's wife, I bet. Whatever. You're a footballer's um, wife. I am. Actually, I am not. Oh. Most people don't realize this. I'm not married to a footballer. It's All right, so Lombada... Uh, yeah, Lombada the movie. He called it the rectangular coordinate system. So that's what he called when he, he moves the protractor to his pool cue, which seems like a kind of a Rain Man thing to do. Like, that should be, you would think that'd be illegal. Like, you know, you're getting rolled in a pool hall if a guy breaks out a protractor, right? You would it's, not, it's not a legal move. Because that one thing that they used to make the, tr- the shots looks like a cookie cutter. They lean the, the stick on. Isn't a protractor kind of like that? It's called a bridge, and I know that from my bridge. number two pick. Right. Ah. See, that thing seems like it should be cheating, because you can't use a bridge in golf, right? Mm, I don't know. Probably. Cool. <laughs> My number three pick is uh, the scene in Dark Knight, where they put the Joker on a pool table, and he's dead, except that he's not. And then he uses a pool cue to have two guys do tryouts for the one spot he has available on his crew. Um, I don't remember that part. Are you serious? That's a, that's a great one, yeah. Because he's like, uh, it's the the black gangster who I imagine is played by someone semi-famous. Uh, he uh, is like, if you bring, I want the Joker dead. Bring me his body. And then some guys are like, yeah, boss, we got him. And some guys carry in the body, and he's wrapped in a garbage bag. And he opens it, and there's the Joker. And he's like, cool, we got the Joker. And then he, the Joker sits up and puts the knife in the guy's mouth and tells him one of his stories about, do you want to know how I got these scars? And then he kills them in a very you know, I really do wish we could have an R-rated Batman because the kill is supposedly it, it it implies something really gruesome happens to kill the guy. You know that he's basically cut into his face through his cheeks, um, but we don't see it because it's PG-13. Although it is kind of amazing how gruesome Dark. It feels Man like is. an R-rated movie. It really does. It really does. Yeah, it's the um, one that does. So anyway, he kills him, and then uh, the two his two side his two bodyguards who are in the room. Uh, Heath Ledger says, uh, you know, we're ready for some aggressive expansion. We have, uh, we're going to have tryouts. The bad news, there's only one spot available. And he snaps the pool cue in half, and he kind of examines one of the jagged, broken edges. He throws it on the ground and leaves the room for the two guys to fight each other for the one spot. Um, that not- has nothing to do with pool, has, no. but it takes place on a billiards table. And presumably, it's not an R-rated movie. If it had been an R-rated movie, we might have seen one of the gangsters kill the other Unless gangster. Unless Brad Ratner the- directed it, in which case it would have been a fake-out. There you go. But wait, uh... Oh. All right, that's so there... It's anywhere, though. That could have been, like, on a baseball diamond and, like, a bat. Oh, yeah, that's why I didn't... I'm not crazy. So my other two are better, I promise. All right, Dingus, what is your number three pick for a pool? And did what? you feel... 
uh, over the course of the week, Dingus, like, oh, why did I pick this? There aren't many things that aren't famous pool movies that I could pick. Uh, no, I did not. I, I okay. spent the week, uh, like, separating ones out in my head and then looking up clips for things that I remember that I thought might have taken place with pool tables. I mean... Um, so all of yours are good? No, not all of mine are good. But it's pool tables, right? Well, it's pool tables, it's billiards, it's pool, okay, it's, so it's, it's things that... Kelly Wan, when would you ever have something involving a pool cue that is not around a pool table? Seriously, come on. Uh, I guess that's a good point. See? I take him to the bathroom sometimes. <laughs> Don't leave him in there. The Bring him back out right. to the table because that's where people will need them. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you told me. Also, like, don't leave that. don't leave the little chalk things. What do you call those? Uh, don't leave those chalk laying cubes. around. Yeah, yeah. Don't leave them laying around. Wait, what were you going to say? Laying around the rest of the house. Yeah, the rest of the house. Yeah. Nobody's going to know what they're for. It seems easy. Like there's a shelf right on the pool table. So it's almost that's, like those are hard to lose. That's no shelf. <laughs> I don't understand what Dingus is talking about. Tom, are you awake? I'm getting there. <laughs> Wait for Dingus's good picks. So far, we've right. got Lombada and the obligatory Dark Knight scene. Yeah. All right. So um, in two of my scenes, the characters are actually playing pool. In this third scene, they are not playing pool. Uh-oh. Um, there's just a there. Uh, there's a pool table in the scene, and it's uh, it's important that they're there. So anyway, here's here's a quote from my number three uh, use of a pool table or a billiards establishment in a movie. Here's a quote from it. No, no, he was not all right. He set his genitals on fire. That's his Connery. <laughs> I totally know what this is. I know the quote. I just don't know what it's from. Uh, Night's Tale, um, Tom's Cat, uh, The Crucible. No. The Pultable. All right. This is from the movie Killer Joe. Um, <laughs> oh, what? Is anybody playing part. pool in that scene? No, yeah, neither. Nobody's playing pool in this scene. <laughs> um, in the, the first meeting that uh, that Joe was supposed to have, uh, Emil oh, yeah. Hirsch and uh, Tom Hayden Church uh, bail on him because they can't get off work. And so he ends up having a scene with um, uh, Dottie, uh, who, by the way, I just want to say if a, a super low budget version of Lucy had to be made, I would not mind if Juno Temple played Lucy uh, after seeing Killer Joe again because I love her so much. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, so Dingus, uh, real quick, your assignment, if you're going to speak fondly of, of uh, Juno Temple, is to see um, that gummit, uh, Afternoon Delight with her and Catherine Hahn, and a horror movie with her and Michael Sarah as maybe or maybe not the monster of the horror movie uh, called Magic Magic. Juno oh, Temple yeah. is so good in both of those. Um, Wait, Magic Magic is. Isn't that directed by someone? The guy's name is, I think, Silva. I believe he's a Chilean director. Um, that you told me to watch that because... No. Um, the director is... Uh, it's, it's well directed. He's, he's really good. But mainly it's it's just how awesome Juno Temple is. Uh, and how she's all in, by the way. She just does stuff that actresses her age are either incapable or unwilling to do a lot of times. Um He's in Magic Magic, Michael Sarah and Jesse Eisenberg's in Now You See Me, which I thought was a Christopher Nolan movie. And Anthony Hopkins is in Magic, so there we go. Oh, my God. 
All right, so Dingus, uh, Juno Temple uh, is meeting Matthew McConaughey because the other guys flaked out on the meeting. Go on. They can't get there because they're working in a muffler shop and it's super loud. And um, so uh, Matthew McConaughey in the in this wonderful scene with her, you know, the phone rings and he goes, "Are you going to answer that?" And she says, "No, it's for you." Um, and he ends up talking to Emil Hirsch, who's yelling at the phone, and he's he's super annoyed that they've changed the meeting, and he's. Is there some place that we can talk privately? And they say, well, there's a there's a billiards place. There's a pool hall over next door that's gone out of business. So we can meet over there. And so he drives up in front, and there's this sad old building with with faded word billiards in front. And he goes in, into it. Um, and uh, Emil Hirsch is standing in front of this huge pool table. And Matthew McConaughey, as they do the scene where he's basically laying out his terms and the rules for what he's going to do for them, which is kill their mother or kill Emil Hirsch's mother uh, as a as a hired as a contract killer. He he kind of cases the joint. He looks in the bathrooms. He looks around to make sure nobody's. And then he he goes up to do most of the scene keeping the pool table between him and Emil Hirsch. And then later in the scene, when you see when, after he leaves, you see Woody Harrelson sitting there and behind him is another pool table that's up against the wall with the, the felt ripped down. And eventually there's the obligatory moment where Woody Harrelson, uh, not Woody Harrelson, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was wondering, what, how did you get yeah, through detective sorry. all of a sudden? Uh, I, 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 I jumped. Uh, where Thomas Hayden Church ju- where, uh, gets in a confrontation with his with uh, with Emil Hirsch and then picks up uh, a ball that's still there on the table and throws it at him and misses him, of course. But I just love the way that they, they work through this, this scene in this old pool hall that's gone out of business and one of the pool tables is decrepit up against the wall and there's one that's still there in the room that uh, Matthew McConaughey maneuvers between the three of them as he lays out the rules for engagement. Kelly Wand, I told Dingus that if he's in the theater in the next few months and he sees a trailer where Matthew McConaughey plays like a farmer to instantly close his eyes. Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, don't, don't, well. sound, don't. No, thank God. <laughs> uh, okay, well, never mind. Good. Glad you Wait, what, should I? Well, I, you watch trailers, so I assumed you would have seen it. Um, for the last year? No, it's uh, like for the next few months. It's a movie that comes out, I think, in uh, it's probably Christmas season. Um, Wait, does that advice extend to me, too? or just No, because you watch trailers. You you are more than happy to let movies be ruined for you. Oh, yeah, did you see the Dracula one? No, Luke Evans. I'm not going to watch it. Oh, are you it. kidding? I, no way. Yeah. Come Wait, on. what? Did you see the Moses Ridley Scott thing? What? I know. <laughs> that. I'll watch it's it. all from the director I... Gladiator. Oh, my God. And then it's all Moses and the... And it was, and then um, so I saw it in Orange County, and then that was like the one thing out of all of them, or everyone around me, and it's like, oh, oh, yeah, dude, the Moses movie, fuck, it's gonna be fucked up. That's how they talk. Hushed tones in Orange County. They seem to like Hercules too. <laughs> Not they're nervous about loose. the, you know, they're nervous about the burning bush. Give me a hit about the Woody Harrelson thing. Well, it's the next Christopher uh, Nolan movie, I'll just say, and I would love oh, to know. Hey, wait, yeah. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. yeah it just starts. I'm watching something with Woody Harrelson as a farmer, and I'm like, what? What is this? Wait, it's stupid McCon- ha, you said Woody Harrelson. Oh, jeez, Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> Dingus! I totally incepted you. <laughs> wait a minute. Come on, Tom. Uh, Admit that was, you were at least serious that you, you were saying Woody Harrelson, even though you knew it was McConaughey. 
Oh, did I really say that? No, no, no. It was totally Matthew McConaughey. Did, if I said Woody Harrelson, Dingus totally freaking incepted me. Jeez. At any rate, if you... You're really easy to do that, too. And look what happened. Look how much damage was done. You're should, like Brett Ratner. I should be taking notes. If you see a trailer with Matthew McConaughey as a farmer, stop watching. <laughs> Wait, now what Woody Harrelson in that role. I don't know what movies Woody Harrelson is in. Uh, that is neither here nor there. <laughs> see... Matthew McConaughey playing a farmer. You don't want to see trailers. Instantly close your eyes because I saw a little bit too much. That's all I'm saying. And I oh, yeah. spare other people that fate. And it's no, I agree with you. Yeah. So. But it, yeah, yeah. That looks like an interesting movie. I'll say. Yeah. Although we have been accepted before, haven't we? I know, right? That looked interesting. Yeah. Well, I would, I would, you know, I mean, going into Inception and not knowing if he didn't like it and not knowing where it's going to go, I think is so key to enjoying it. I mean, that's uh, you know, Christopher Nolan's movies. Even if I don't like them, I would, I definitely want to see, and I definitely want him to unfold them for me, and not the marketing department trying to sell them or fold them like Ellen Page folded the city. Very good, Kelly Watch. But Woody Harrelson is a farmer. <laughs> I believe I said Woody Harrelson. I meant Matthew McConaughey. Anytime I say Woody Harrelson, I probably I, mean Matthew McConaughey. He's farming hemp, but then the rest of the movie that you saw in that trailer. You watched that whole trailer? No, no, I didn't. Oh. I, I immediately closed my eyes once I saw something weird was going on and then realized, oh, that's the Christopher Nolan movie. I got. I watched the whole trailer and I got the sense at the end I was bummed I'd seen it, but it didn't See? give away. I still thought he's saving something. Like it didn't seem to give away. Maybe not. Maybe you know everything. Kelly, mm. speaking of knowing everything, what's your number two pick for a pool table in a movie? We want to know that. I like in the movie, in the movie The Hustler, Jackie Gleason and Paul Newman play for like 25 hours. And it it's like, it's it reminds you that, that Billiards is kind of like soporific the way, uh, is it soporific or soporific? Sophomoric. Sophomoric. The way... That movie, um, what's the George Clooney one about the planet? Solaris. You know how that movie just kind of puts you to sleep? Mm -hmm. And the Hustler pool kind of does that. Because they stay up for 25 hours. It's kind of like a pool filibuster. It's like black and white movie. That's my number two. Okay. Probably going to be a popular choice, I would guess. Uh, I'm not picking the Hustler. I am picking. Penthouse. Here is uh, here's how I know what it, it is called a bridge. That weird little bracket. Ah, I'll give you a line. I think you'd be better off with an ordinary cue. That's what we call a bridge. Uh, and it is when Peter Sellers is playing pool in the 1964 movie. This is amazing. I hadn't even been born yet. Called A Shot in the Dark. Oh yeah, the know. second. Is it the second? There were yeah. some before? Wow. pushed it out the door because it was Pink Panther. It was like the breakout character. Oh, it was so actually called. I was going to say, what was the first Pink Panther movie? It was actually called Pink Panther? Yeah, but he's not in it much. It's more about David Niven. Ew. Really? Sellers, he doesn't even have his French accent yet. And what? Much. So A Shot in the Dark is the first like real Clouseau movie? Yeah. Well, there's a scene in it where he play, where he's playing, he's trying to interrogate someone in a mansion, or, and he's playing pool with the guy, and he's just, you know, the the dialogue is strictly mundane. You know, where were you on this night? When did you arrive on this flight? Aha, you didn't because the flight was canceled. Well, that, you know, did you know so and so was having an affair? You know, it's just exposition, but it's while they're playing pool, and Peter Sellers just being Peter Sellers, um, and I love that. I love that. It, it made me want to see a Pink Panther movie. 
Wait, you haven't seen them? Not in forever. I mean, uh, it's good. I've certainly seen some. The third one's good, and the fourth one's really good. And then what the are they called? Run down the names of them for me. Uh, Return of the Pink Panthers, the third one. Okay. And that one, that one's really good. <laughs> Shot in the Dark isn't really good? Shot in the Dark's good. Okay. It's don't, less... don't hold up. I'm telling you, do not. What? What? Nope. I think it's crazy. Certainly the scene does. I mean, I don't care about the actual structure Peter of the movie. Sellers I just want to watch Peter Sellers. Yeah, and Herbert Lom's really funny in him, too. And Dingus is crazy for not loving, like, just thinking about that and not being... And then the second, the one after that's Pink Panther Strikes Again, and it's the Apocalypse one, and it's really Apocalypse good. one? Yeah. What? Herbert Lom's, like, the villain in it. He's, like, Phantom of the Opera. He has, like, an organ, and he has, like, a ray that makes shit disappear. What? Yeah. It has a really weird ending. It's really good, and he's in an insane asylum at the beginning. Did Blake Edwards do all these, or no? Yeah. He did them all, and then there's one after that called Revenge that's not as good. And then, and then, and I guess he and Peter Sellers hated each other. And that's Blake what, Edwards and Peter Sellers? Yeah, they were in really wow. bad terms all the time. And that's, but the movies kept making tons of money, so they kept getting forced back into it. <laughs> Every time they tried to itch the other person, it would bomb. So they kept like, it's like fine, Pink Panther three, fuck, and then it was like this huge monster hit, and so then. They like rush the next one out because there's gonna be so it's like there's kind of a cliffhanger ending. Dingus, come on, they really hold up. You're so crazy. I'm not so crazy. I but had to watch it a that? couple of years ago. We used to have this thing called the, the quarter three like movie club, and somebody made us watch one of the original ones. And I could, I had such fond memories of watching them with my dad because he would just laugh his he would just laugh his head off when we're in the elevator and. Uh, Peter Sellers is stuffing cotton balls in his mouth to pretend to be the Godfather, and uh, that one's terrible. That and one's- I had to watch this thing, and I'm just like, oh, these are gags, and they're just not funny. Come on! So Dingus watched the wrong one. It's yeah, he watched the wrong one. The third and the fourth one are really good, and Shadow of the Dark's really. It's the first one with Herbert Lom, so they're all young in it, and uh, I think that's the one where he has like a gun that's a cigarette lighter, and he shoots his nose off. <laughs> There's a lot of good shit of that. And the third one's really good. He's, he has a lot of. There's a thing with a parrot and a vacuum cleaner that's really. Isn't good. Blake Edwards just the Brett Ratner of his day? How dare you? How oh, dare sorry. you? Sorry, I apologize. I apologize. <laughs> I am infuriated that you would ever say that. You should. You should storm off in a huff. Did Blake Edwards do Arthur? No. Oh, who did Arthur? Uh, Arthur, he was a guy who died right after that. Oh, sorry I brought it up. Mm, it. All right, Dingus, oh, what is your number two pool table scene, Dingus? Uh, all right, my number two pool table scene uh, was one of the first ones I thought of. Uh, you will dismiss this out of hand because I've brought up this movie many times, uh, but I love this scene. It's from the movie Diner. It came uh, up in the IMDb word search, by the way. And I was like, yeah, oh, I did. think this is going to pick that one. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the, the scene is take, take number seven. It's got the new felt. Um, and it's, it's, it's this great scene where, uh, you know, Steve Gutenberg is this doofus who still is, who still lives at home and he's about to get married, but he's just, he's kind of, he's been like sleeping. He slept until two in the afternoon. He does this every day. And, uh, Tim Daly's come home for the wedding. Uh, and he, and he goes into the house. He has to, you know, he's greeted by the mom. He says, will you go wake him up, please? And there's this whole thing of the, he get he gets Steve Gutenberg up and he's like, yeah, I'm getting married, but whatever. Hey, we're going to play pool, right? Uh, well, I haven't played pool in ages. Well, it's about 
it's about time. Otherwise, you're going to lose your edge. So they, they have breakfast with Ma, or Mom makes them lunch, and then they go over to this pool hall, and it's this sort of classic pool hall where it's just guys up there, and it's clearly a place that they would they used to hang out when they were kids or when they were, like, uh, just in college or whatever, because uh, Tim Daly's going for his master's degree at this point. And, uh, and the guy who runs the place, this old dude, is like, oh, I haven't seen you in ages. Well, uh, I'm, I, I felt like it was time to grow up. Steve Goomberg hasn't yet grown up, and he thinks, I'm just going to get married in order to grow up. So they, they just get a pool table, and they start playing pool, and they're talking. So they're playing pool all during the scene. And, uh, and I brought this scene up before because this great, weird, younger guy comes in and does this weird bit of dialogue from Sweet Smell of Success. And he just does all of the dialogue from it, and he moves on. And apparently all he does all day is say the dialogue from the movie Sweet Smell of Success. And Steve Gutenberg just goes, boy, the, the kids now who are at this pool, t- this pool hall, they're just much crazier than we were. So this, is, this was this, this place from their youth that they're going back and they're kind of trying to recapture where the diner is the place that they think that they will always have. And, uh, and I just love that there's this classic pool hall with all these just guys sitting around. And, of course, this is they're just about to go into the scene in the theater because everybody's laying bets on Mickey Rourke um, doing the popcorn thing. Uh, and somebody from across the pool hall says, "Hey, are you laying bets on on the on the bet too?" And Steve Gutenberg's here goes, "Yeah, I'm I'm laying a bet on it too." So it's just all these dudes up in this pool hall in diner. Tim Daly, the guy from Wings. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's a really, diner. Yeah, the chick from Cagney and Lacey. Yes, yes, Tim Daly. Uh, she she plays a dude, and she's awesome in it. I oh, think so I could be wrong about this. I think I was on a TV show once that Tim Daly was one of the actors in, and he went. He saw I'm me. Listed. Here we go. This would have been uh, Dingus. Do you remember there, there was this TV show called something like The Nines or Nine? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Was that Tim Daly? Do you know? I think it might. Have been. I remember when you were in that. That was just that was not that was only a couple years ago. Well, the war in Iraq was still going on. So, so here's the deal. I think that was Tim Daly. I think <laughs> he was Tom Daly's career. And I had a scene with him. <laughs> and when you have a scene with an actor, you know, a lot of it is you're just like sitting around, you're waiting for stuff, and you're waiting for stuff. So you get stuck. Like I'm, I'm standing there with Tim Daly. And what does he have to say to me? What do I have to say to him? I, I always feel a little silly in these situations. And you know, he's trying to be nice and make conversation. That was very cool of him, by the way. And I either had some book or some news story or something about the war in Iraq, and he said something to me about. You know how we could take care of that? You know how we would shut that war down? And I was like, oh, no, what, what should we do? He said, if we had the draft, we would never be in another war. And he kind of had a point. It wasn't, but, and I, I remember trying to talk to him about this, and it just seemed like he didn't really want to talk about it. He just wanted to, like, pronounce that. That doesn't mean anything. But that's like saying – that's a dumb. He's not. Well, I kind of felt like I, – I don't know if he was dumb or smart, but I just felt like it was an odd thing to just sort of say – I was going to say – I mean, I thought he – right, right. It wasn't anything like that. Like, we should just cross the Middle East. Yeah, he didn't do yeah. that. But he made a semi-informed, moderately provocative comment and then didn't really seem to want to talk anymore, which is fine. I didn't want to bother Tim Daly. But I just remember that sticking out. Is Was that what his character would have said to your character? I don't know that our character – you guys soldiers? Yeah, no, good lord, no. I was a coroner and you he was a, a detective. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I remember thinking that that, that 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 I think that was Tim Daly because I remember thinking, oh, this is the guy on Wings, I think, but not the funny one, who Stephen Weber I know of is the masseuse from that 
that um, that uh, Michael Figgis thing uh, in split screen. What the heck is that called? Time code. Uh, yeah, in time code. So the two guys from Wings, one of them is a serious guy who I met once on a TV show. The other guy who's freaking hilarious giving Julian Sands a massage in time code. Maybe the draft thing was his idea of a joke, though. He was just trying to <laughs> he just doesn't have a very developed sense of humor. Or he was setting you up for a joke because he's a straight man. Right, exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure I blew it. Yeah, Manly handshake. What did you say to that? was in Diner. He's yeah. really good in it, too. I mean, uh, he is, again, playing sort of the, the bland, straight character who's, you know, he just doesn't have that much interesting to do other than have the have to carry a lot of the dramatic weight of the movie. Uh, and I think he does a great job. It's just such an excellent cast. I kind of feel like I've seen him in bad horror movies, too. Like, maybe that's one of the things. I think I've seen him recently in a movie where he's like a psychic poltergeist fighter. <laughs> wow. Be more specific. I love that as a title. <laughs> what was the Sci-Fi Channel version of that called? Uh, psychic versus Poltergeist. You can practice the popcorn trick with a pool cue. <laughs> it would have to be giant psychic versus a mega poltergeist. <laughs> right, yeah. Kelly, what's your favorite pool table scene? My number one favorite pool table scene is in the movie Fempe Tao because... Antonio Banderas uses the pool stick to beat someone, and then he has sex with uh, Rebecca De Mornay Stamos <laughs> on the pool table. So it's kind of like a twofer. Like you can use, you can get in the fight with the stick, and then you already got. It's like a form of recreation where the weapons come with the. It's like buying with the recliner, you get like a taser. Can we get one more simile from me? <laughs> it's like getting. Um, you get. Something about pockets. Meatballs with the spaghetti. <laughs> My number one pick, uh, this is the only one I like, uh, in You Can Count on Me, um, the, a Kenneth Lonergan movie, uh, Mark Ruffalo and his nephew, Rory Culkin, um, they're kind of bonding in their own way. Uh, Mark Ruffalo has to watch him while his sister, Laura Linney, she's out, I think, on a date with Matthew Broderick, of all places. And so Mark Ruffalo, with little Rory Culkin, Zuni's really tiny and cute, and, and I forget who the good Culkins are, by the way. But sure. Rory Culkin, wait, is Rory Culkin good now that he's grown up and kind of awkward looking? I, think, I forget. Oh, I think they're all good, and Macaulay is just the one that fell off the path. But who's the one who's been really good? I think Kieran Culkin has Karen been really ones. good in a couple. Who's the one in Dangerous Lives of Alter Boys? That's but Kieran Culkin or Rory. I forget. I feel bad that I can't distinguish them. I'm still even a little unsure these days on the the fannings. Well, Karen's the one in Scott Pilgrim, and he's basically the only thing I liked about it. That's the one that I think is really good. Roy Culkin, now that he's gotten older, and I, I hate saying this, but he's got a weird sort of look to him, um, and I don't know that he's done much. But as, as when he's like little, and you can count on me, he's really good with uh, Mark Ruffalo and Laura Linney. Um, so anyway, there's a scene where Mark Ruffalo is supposed to be taking care of him, and he's like, hey, let's go out to a bar. And they go to a bar, and Mark Ruffalo is like, I bet $100 that me and my nephew can beat anyone in here. There he's at a pool table. <laughs> and it's the fame, you know, it's the standard scene where obviously he's a pool shark and he's going to sink all the balls. But what he does to involve Rory Culkin, his nephew, is he has him take the first shot. So two guys come up, oh. and like, okay, we'll play you. And so he has Rory Culkin, who just can't get anything. He barely hits the ball, but he includes him. And it's such an adorable thing, and it says so much about 
you know, even though he's dragging this poor kid to a bar, he still cares in his own way about this kid, and he wants to include them in this trick that he's doing. So he has Rory Culkin try to make a shot and miss, and the two guys that are playing kind of snicker, and they're like, wow, we got a 100 bucks. And then the one guy takes his turn and sinks a couple of balls and then misses a shot. And Mark Ruffalo gives Rory Culkin a look like, yep, we got it. We got these guys. And he just, you know, one, two, three, bang, 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 sinks all the balls and has sharked the guys for their money. But he has made a point to include little Rory Culkin in the, the deal, and it later becomes sort of a plot point, is that this is a confidence that they share, they're con men there, um, and he later feels that Rory Culkin ratted him out, but he didn't, and it's, there's, some, there's some really good organic character tension that, is, that results from this scene that Kenneth Lonergan writes into the movie. Um, so that's my number one favorite scene is just seeing Rory Culkin trying to hit the ball and not having the dexterity to do it. Uh, and you can count on me. I don't even remember that. That's such a great pick. Can he even reach the table? I mean, Barely, I remember yeah. trying to play pool as a kid and you have to like try to reach over and it's so awkward. Yeah, no, he can't, he can't reach up there. He can't, he doesn't have the dexterity to hit the ball. And the two guys who have placed the bet, uh, they're just, they just can't believe that Mark Ruffalo has the balls to actually do this and blow his money. Uh, no, it's so adorable. Yeah. All right, Dingus, what is your number one pick for uh, a pool table? All right, uh, here's, a, here's a quote from it. Uh, lesson two, always know the table before you shoot. Color of money. <laughs> no. Oh. Um, uh, this is one that uh, that I remembered very late in the week because I remember Kelly had – I think brought up this movie a few weeks ago, and I, I really I I honestly don't know why it popped into my head, but uh, when I went searching for this scene, I found it because I haven't seen this movie. <laughs> I know and, the rule, but not for pool. Uh, well, the, the the scene begins with with a uh, with a character swaggering around the table as everybody's watching. He's he's made a bet, and and he's like, my my daddy taught me there's five rules for playing pool, and he goes through the five rules as he basically does what Tom just described knock every ball down. Uh, and this is from the movie Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man. Ah. <laughs> and this is Don Johnson doing this, like, swagger. Um, and the rule number one is that you have to have a cigarette in your mouth. And uh, and the the dude that he's against is like, well, if you, if you got no fire, then you're not smoking. And he's like, well, I quit. And my dad just said you have to have a cigarette in your mouth. And he just he goes through all of these rules. And uh, and at the end, in the, the very last thing, he said, if you lose, then you got to stand tall and you got to pay your bet. Um, and uh, before he makes the eight ball shot, he puts his hat down on the table and he puts it down across the bumper so that, you know, he ends it. He, he calls. He, he I think he says, I can't remember. He's like uh, that corner. He calls which corner the eight ball is going to go in, but he bounces it around the table so that it goes in that corner. But it looks like he's missed it at first. But he he's put his hat basically on the table so that if he doesn't hit the shot and he doesn't bounce it just right, if it hits the hat, he's going to lose. Um, but it's just this great sort of Don Johnson swaggering thing. And I just remembered um, how much I loved Don Johnson in the Other Woman movie. So uh, so that's Harley Davidson, the Marvel <laughs> uh, Man, giving the rules of pool. Uh, you had to ruin it at the end, didn't you, Dan? <laughs> that's right. I did that just for you, Kelly. Why? Has Dingus not been enjoying – did he not enjoy Don Johnson and Eastbound and Down? Did you not get that treat, Dingus? Oh, no, actually. you. Uh, I, oh, There's so much good crap. Don Johnson and Eastbound and Down. Yeah. And I remember you – I actually remember you – I remember you telling me to do that. Yeah. Gosh darn um, it. I wonder if Boy and His Dog holds up. That can't be any good. Mm. It's very dated. Yeah. 
It kind of jumps the shark when the... Oh, God, the people in clown makeup who... Yeah, that's yeah. Shark Jason Robards, I think, yeah. Uh, I like Jason, the dog's voice. Who did... Who was the dog? Wasn't it like William Forsyth or someone? Yeah, he's just like, ugh. Wait, who was the dog's voice? I'm thinking of Charlie's Angels. That's Charlie's voice. Do we know... That's it? John Forsyth. It is. Oh, wait, what? I don't know who the dog... I forget oh. who the dog was. But... but it wasn't like a dog sounding voice. It wasn't like what you would expect a little bingy dog to sound like. It's right? a good ending. Did you read that story? Uh, Philip K. Dick. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> uh, Dingus, who did? Is that a Walter Hill movie? Harley Davidson and the Marble Man? Who is that? No, no. Harley, it's it's a guy named si, Simon Windsor. Huh? Who's that? Do uh, we know him? What else did he do? Sounds familiar, although I think I'm thinking of Simon Windsor. I need to see that movie again. It's been way too long. It's one of those ones where you can only see it if it's on, because you never think about, I better watch that. What would be better? Harley Davidson. Uh, what would be de- better? Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man or Tango and Cash? Mm, I like Tango and Cash, but I don't like it as much as Lone Wolf McQuaid. Yeah, that doesn't. I'm guessing, though, that that says a lot about you. You, you present to someone, which movie do you prefer? Harley Davidson and the Marble Man or Tango and Cash? And I, I bet they're, that's like the two different kinds of people. No one's going to say Tango and Cash over Harley Davidson and the Marble Man. Mm. That's, a, that's a loaded question. No, because I bet there's a plenty of people who like the kind of the cheesy. Uh, what, over Harley? Have they seen yep. both movies? Yep. yep. And they go, Harley Davidson Mar- Really? No, they would go Tango and Cash. I think it takes a more sophisticated person to choose Harley Davidson and the Marble Man. <laughs> I can't even wait your answer. Simon Winter did weird things like Free Willy and... Um, <laughs> uh, That's what Kelly Wan knows his name. Hi, Kelly Wan, you've been outed as a Free Willy fan. That movie. He did one of the superhero movies, but a minor superhero movie. This one. Oh, I find these... I just find, like, director careers fast. What's the Billy Zane one? The weird... Oh, the Shadow. Yeah. Oh. The Phantom. Oh, oh, Phantom, right. Shadow's not the bald one, bro. Yeah, I think when I looked him up earlier, I think he did Shadow or Phantom. The Phantom's one where he's in the purple uh, tracksuit. Yeah, 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 the poster was purple. Yeah, I was a little unclear on what that dude's deal was as a superhero, besides the purple. Like, what were his powers and what? It's Magic Ring, I think, right? Yeah, it's Magic Ring, and he's in the jungle now? Yeah. Why is he wearing purple in the jungle? He has a Magic Ring, so he's the Green Lantern, but in purple? Yeah. Isn't that a weird... Yeah, it's even... It's even fruitier than Larry Lantern. <laughs> they found a way to make Green Lantern find more job. <laughs> Billy Zane, Purple, Jungle. You get that idea. Let's watch it. Who else is in that? Even in the preview for The Phantom, I remember he was just sitting down. I just remember him running sure. through the jungle. I don't remember him running. That wasn't even... It, that's the thing. It's like... I'm not sure Billy Zane has that. Could, would have mustered that much energy. Yeah, you're like... <laughs> Sits Don't you remember Dead Calm? He had a lot of energy. Well, that was Dead did. Calm, yeah. But by the time he was doing the Phantom, I can see him say, you know, Simon, can I just sit in this scene? Do I have to really run? I'd just like to sit during this scene. I think Calls that would be a Simon. better character choice. <laughs> I need to save my energy for Titanic. <laughs> Simon says, run. JK. What's the question? Listeners? Uh, the question is listeners. Yes, that's a great, great question. All right, so our first listener is John Thomas Mason, or as he... Uh, Three namers. So uh, I should have written sooner, so I apologize. No, you shouldn't. You wrote, wrote right on time. Uh, while listening to the podcast, I was reminded of the many cameos in the 1992 film Sleepwalkers. 
This was, if I recall correctly, the first screenplay by Stephen King that did not previously exist. Is that in the Mage and I love Mage and Amic. I do too. too. Shelley. Yeah. yeah, she's banging. I agree with you. Seriously. So I should have seen that movie. Uh, listening to you guys reminded me of the glee with which my roommate, who is a horror movie mega fan, called out the appearances of Clive Barker, Joe Dante, Stephen King, of course, John Landis, and Toby Hooper. Wait, this must be from... Oh, this is the director one, sorry. There's an Ocean's Eleven. That's why it's a late one. I apologize. Thank you, John Thomas Mason, but I read your thing from last week. I can hear you, John Thomas Mason. Uh, <laughs> that one, do it for real. Come on. Yes, I can hear you, Kampandango. Oh, that makes me so happy. I didn't do it right. I, it's hard to do Matt Berry good because he's too powerful. Our actual first choice for pool table submission is from Ladnar Savad. <laughs> oh, that's a good uh, Ahoy Sexy. That's for you, Tom. Thank you. Ahoy. Yes, definitely. Three Sorry. best pool table scenes in movies. No sweat. I'm GD pool sharking wizard, like Jaws in the neon bars. Kind of a tricky topic, this. I thought of lots of cool little scenes around pool, but tried to stick with ones where the pool is integral to the scene. Mm. In no particular order, here are three that came to mind. 1993's Carlito's Way with Al Pacino. <laughs> Great little fight gangland takeover in a pool hall. Guy gets set up for a pool trick that has him taking balls to his face. Hmm. Wait. Uh, Oops. In all serious, no. Though I remember this scene having a really cool camera angle from the POV of the pool table on Pacino and increasing the tension in the viewer with nothing especially tense happening, just a friendly game of pool. (laughs) Uh, in 2004, Shaun of the Dead featured not only a pool table and pool cues, but also zombie smashing and Queen! Don't stop me now! I always thought this zombie getting whacked looked like he fell out of Half-Life 2's Ravenholm. Maybe Tom knows what I mean. Oh, yeah. That's the crazy place, huh? I'll always take a Ravenholm reference. There's like a crazy preacher who, uh... Yeah, he burns alive, him. right? What's his name? Father, like, Vladimir or something. Reverend Burnalove. <laughs> Kelly, you're so good with names. There's a lot of good insane asylums and you're games. Like, you're like George Lucas with names. Oh, it's like other woman with dodge out. So damn it! <sighs> Why do I gotta remember that? All right, back to Ladnar Savad, one of the awesomest names we have around here. And maybe it's just the Brit lover in me. But last and not least, there is Begbie's Q smashing. Knife wielding, chip oh, yeah. bag ripping, beating in a pool hall of 1996's Train Spotting. Mm. Wait, what did Ladnar say? The did he say Brit lover? I have a little yeah. Brit lover in there. I don't think Train Spotting is British. Isn't Train Spotting very, very Scottish? Oh, it's certainly very Scottish. It's both. Yeah, how dare you, Ladnar? Is it both? Yeah. Which one's Begbie? Is Begbie Robert? Begbie is uh, Robert Carlyle. Yeah, but yeah. I, I thought Train Spotting was like very, very Scottish. I could oh, be wrong. But yeah, well, I don't think to call transpotting British would probably be an insult to the You could Scots. call it UKish. Right, exactly. And that might even also be insulting in a different way, but uh, so it's a great uh, pick, but uh, yeah, as I cuz I think my people are Scottish. So on behalf of my yeah, people, Ladnar, how dare you? How dare you? The Kelly one, don't you co- coattail onto my Scottish heritage. Get your own. It's a kilt, not a coattail. Very good. <laughs> See. Rob Roy. Uh so uh Ladnar goes on to say, don't feck with shot, especially if you are a nerd trying to enjoy your crisps. Honorable mention to Dark Knight. 
but I assume mm. that's already covered. Why so serious? Uh, keep it real, really real, really, really real, and you know it. Lednar, a.k.a. Randroid. <laughs> so that reminds me of one of my favorite lines from uh, Hercules. Dead, dead, really dead. Who says that? Uh, after the first break, uh, the first test of the wall. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's good. Why was the third guy really dead? Because he was first. Was that like a final destination? Well, he ends up he ends up sort of returning to be like one of the key dudes who kneels. They did uh, have two uh, featured generic farmer soldiers, the bald guy and the guy who looks like he was going to get a couple of lines, but I don't think he maybe got one. He was up for the storyteller part, but he wasn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ratner, high bar. <laughs> All right. Pool tables by Arthur Jovan and Jelly. Uh, number three, the usual. Oh, this is a good one. I, I forgot this. The usual suspects. Um, uh, this is just a very evocative room. That's good. When the group of thieves first meets Kobayashi, they're in the pre- well. They're not meeting Kobayashi. I think isn't it's Peter uh, Pete Puzzlethwaite, isn't it? Doesn't he work for Kobayashi? Or yeah, he's never portrayed as Kobayashi. He has I love a different when the list though, like, wrong. Like Mister. Oh no, wait. Uh, uh, he is Kobayashi. Oh, he is. He's not. Uh, what's his name? The Kevin Space. Oh, he works Kaiser Soze. Kaiser Soze. Yeah, he's not Kaiser Soze. He is Kobayashi. So, yeah, Arthur has it. All right, when they first meet Kobayashi, they're in the presence of several pool tables. Yeah, that's a good-looking scene. They almost look like they're going to start playing until Kobayashi begins to inform them of their debts to his employer. That's a good one. I like that scene. Isn't Um, it weird that Brian Singer cast Pete Postlethwaite as a guy named Kobayashi? What's up with that? I love that it's weird. Yeah, I do like that too. It's like his mother was Japanese, or no, no, his father was Japanese, but his mother was Irish or something. Like that, his name is that's Kobayashi. I love that. Yeah, just you know, like Kevin McDonald. <laughs> what? I might have been wrong on that. His last name was Maru. Anyway, number two, Shaun of the Dead. Simon Pegg trips over a pool table while figuring out how to deal with an old zombie that has snuck into the Winchester. This causes the group to begin beating the zombie with pool cues, all while a malfunctioning jukebox player's queens don't stop me now. It's an over-the-top scene that even features Pegg getting a dark stuck in his head. I don't remember that at all. I don't know that I know this queen song, Don't Stop Me Now. Kelly Wan, can you sing some of that for me? What's the lyric from it? (laughs) And Arthur... That's my rendition. Uh, his number one is The Color of Money. Mm. Uh, Paul Newman gets hustled by Forrest Whitaker in a game of pool. The worst part about this for Newman is that he himself is a hustler and he got hustled. I love the way that this scene ends with Whitaker asking Newman a serious question. Do you think I need to lose some weight? He got hustled by a Scientologist. That's that trick. The moment I remember, I mean, and uh, I, the moment I remember from Color of Money, from seeing the very first time I saw it, is is Paul Newman sitting at a bar, and uh, behind him Tom Cruise and, and I forget who the uh, the female lead in the movie is. Uh, uh, there's there's Antonio, Mary, something else. Mary Lou's uh, it? Mr. Okay. Well, they're they're playing. Uh, they're they're running their hustle. Hot break, Vincent. And um and Tom Cruise is just this, playing this over-the-top wacky character and uh and he he's just doing the the uh the break at the beginning of the game and and paul newman just is having a conversation with somebody at the bar Uh, again i haven't seen color of the money color of money in many many years and i just remember paul newman sort of kind of 
looking back over his shoulder a little bit, and finally he goes, God, that kid has a sledgehammer break. And I love that line. I, lo- I, I don't know if that's the exact line, but I just remember that froze in my mind because the uh, color of money didn't really sit with me. But I love that line. Well, it's also he's been out of the racket for 30 years because of the events in The Hustler. So that's the first moment when he starts to give a shit about pool again is when he hears that sound. Yeah, yeah oh, when yeah. he hears that sound and just that line, kid's got a sledgehammer. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if that's the exact line again, but I remember that the feel of that line and him reacting to it and the way he reacted in his body to it. It was a really cool moment. I feel like I should read those books and not see the movies anymore. Uh, they're graphic novels, I think. Hmm. That means Tom will know stuff about him. Busy catching up on uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, <laughs> issues. <laughs> Next, we have Jaime Cabrera. Uh, hello again. Here are my top three scenes with pool tables and movies. Number three, what's up, my censored? In the movie Rush Hour with Chris Tucker and Jack Chan. <laughs> Tom. <laughs> Favorite director. Folks. Ha ha. He's trolling us. Uh, Jackie Chan's character tries to fit in by repeating the "What's up, my N word?" that Christ Tuck, I mean, Chris Tucker just said to the bartender. Uh, this gets him into a fight with almost everyone in the pool hall. Jackie Chan's comedy slash action always makes good use of the environment, and this fight is no exception with his use of pool tables, cues, and balls and race. I don't remember a shower enough to remember that, but I, I trust that Jackie Chan can use... Can Knowing use. Bart Ratner was a tasteful use of the N-word. Absolutely. Number two, uh, quote, Big Bear, Big Bear chase me. Uh, in the great outdoors with John Candy, his son meets his romantic <laughs> interest when playing pool at the local pool hall in the small town they're vacationing in. The actual meeting is an example of immature humor where he accidentally puts the cue between her legs while trying to line up a shot. But when I was a kid, this is absolutely hilarious. Plus, a bear gets his butt shot, hair shot off later. So that makes up for it. Wait, that's I, his love interest in The Great Outdoors? Apparently, I never saw The Great Outdoors. Um, I consider it minor candy. Soft candy. Uh, number one, uh, quote, Lelo Dallas Multipass. Yeah, we know it's a multipass. Uh, in the fifth element, element, element? In the fifth Altamont, there is a scene where Corbin Dallas, played by Bruce Willis, is in a gunfight in a recreational billiards bar area with a bunch of alien mercenaries trying to take over a cruise ship. He loses his gun and gets pinned behind a bar. Near him is a movie star named Ray, who is too terrified to move and mostly deaf. After repeated attempts to get Ray to throw him his gun, Ray finally reaches over and throws Corbin a couple of billiards balls instead of a gun. Corbin gives him a sarcastic thank you, and Ray smiles back sincerely and waves. Thanks. Love the show. I mean, <laughs> I remember that part. I don't. I don't remember any of that. I do remember Layla Dallas Multipass. That's my favorite part of the movie. All right. Next, we have Paul Weimer. Hi, guys. My goal is to avoid movies explicitly about pool players or pool in general. And I want to apologize in advance for my number three pick, but it's the first one that came to mind. Number three, in The Da Vinci Code... <laughs> Aaron Garosa, played by Alfred Molina, calmly discusses using the assassin Silas while playing pool with one of his fellow cardinals. That's kind of cute. That reminds me of one of my runners up. Number two, in the remake of Alfie, the titular character, played by Jude Law, 
has a very sexy game of pool with his best friend's girlfriend, Lynette, played by Nia Long. Uh, you remember that scene, don't you, Kelly Ward? I only saw the original one when it was called Arthur. Wait, wait what? Happens? Never mind. I'll just watch uh, and uh, uh, Paul's number one in Carlito's Way, a pool hall and a game of pool itself, is a scaffold and set up for the stunning action sequence set up by the drug deal gone so very wrong. Best regards and thanks as always, Paul. So Carlito's Way is Brian De Palma also? Yeah. yeah. Huh. I don't remember that movie very well. I haven't seen that or Scarface. I feel like Scarface is, is the same overrated. movie. Okay. Yeah, and I remember thinking Carlito's Way. Yeah, Carlito's way I remember thinking was really good, but I never saw it again. But Sean Penn's really good in it, I think. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I, I didn't care much for it, but you might be right about that. I think he's the, like the Falcon and the Snowman character. He's like the loser. Ah, uh, you're right. Something. Yeah, you're right. Thanks. Uh, number uh, the next one is Dave Perkins. Clue again: the French maid is strangled on a pool table in the billiard room with a rope. Uh, the big appliance fight in Rumble in the Bronx starts on a pool table for the first time in movie history. So apparently, didn't Rumble in the Bronx happen before Rush Hour? Oh, fuck. I just forgot. I just remembered a good one, Tom. His next one is W.C. Fields does a hilarious bit in Honest John where he tells a joke while setting up a pool shot for two minutes. Dave, you just made me want to watch a W.C. Fields film. Thanks, jerk. W.C. Fields is good, isn't he? He uh, does a lot of different... He hates kids, and he's drunk as fuck. And, uh... Something else happens. Anyway, it's, it's love, Dave and Michelle. And that's all we've got, ladies and gentlemen. So if you have any runners-up, bring them, bring them right now. When Tom. I did my IMDb search, oh yes, Kelly Wand, what was the well, one? No, go ahead, go ahead. I'll tell you. Uh, when I did my IMDb search, or not, when I clicked on the keyword for pool table or billiards or whatever, these movies came up, all of which I love, none of which I remember the pool scenes in them. Uh, Limbo, which is a John Sayles movie. Uh, you know, I guess there's barroom scenes. I mean, there's people playing that. pool. Um, in the Cut, Mark Ruffalo and Meg Ryan, the Jane Campion movie. Dingus, do you remember a pool scene in that? I don't, but you just made me think of. I wish I would have looked for pool scenes where, like, uh, where it's like more romantic, where the guy's like trying to help the girl make a shot. Maybe that's what. Yeah, it might be a scene like that. Uh, House of the Devil. What? When did that have a pool, a billiards table scene? Never. I don't know if maybe it's shots of uh, what's her name, Jocelyn Donner. Yeah, maybe she's just. In the montage where she's just sort of faffing about in the house, maybe there's a pool table or something? Well, doesn't, in the girl's doesn't it start with her in in a bar talking to her friend? There's her friend place. played by Greta Gerwig. Right. Yeah, they're having pizza. She's having pizza with Greta Gerwig. But I think it starts with her... I don't know. Is she in a bar? I, don't, I didn't really I remember not a pool right, table. Yeah. And then finally, uh, assassination of Jesse James. What? Yeah, billiards is a key word in that movie. I did not remember a pool table scene there either. Maybe it's just the pool hall, like where uh, Robert uh, Ford ends up when he's dating Zoe oh, Chanel. Right. Maybe there there's pool. I don't remember. Uh, so those are my runners-up. <laughs> hey, Tom, remember uh, House of the Devil when uh, when Kelly couldn't understand all the medical sounds? <laughs> I, I know. I'm standing by that one, although no one's backed me up on it. <laughs> That's the one I'm least insane on. 
the dead, Batman being dead or alive, I think it's a uh, subversion in a Brett Ratner way from Christopher Nolan. But, um, Tom, do you remember a pool table seat at Capricorn 1? What? Lord, no. What are you uh, talking about? Oh, Let me guess. Can I guess? Yeah, Is yeah. it part of the crappy bits with Elliot Gould as an investigator? Oh, God. Wait, wait. I know, but wait. Okay, remember he has like a friend at NASA? Right. Who isn't goes, on it? Right. And who goes missing or something? Wait, wait. That's where he goes missing. They're playing pool. Him and Elliot Gould. And then a guy goes, hey, telephone call for you, Elliot Gould. And then Elliot Gould leaves. And then when he comes back... His friend's gone from the pool table. So there's like a mystique, like, wait, they took a guy, not only the government took away a NASA scientist in a crowded public place, but he had a pool cue in his hand, and they still got him. <laughs> Seconds. <laughs> so it's like, even a pool table's not safe. From the hey, I'm going to put that one in place of your choice of Lombada. So wait, no, put it in place of, uh, I guess, The Hustler. I think that was a little vague. Uh, are there runners-up, Dingus? Do you have some? Uh, the one that uh, Paul Paul bringing up the Cardinals playing pool reminds me of. Thought they were Reminds me of in the American President. There's a lot of pool playing between uh, Michael Douglas and Martin Sheen. Like, there, and uh, and yeah, there's there's this whole like sequence of them playing of them playing pool, and you know Martin Sheen, you know, in this other Aaron Sorkin film, is having to say a uh, nice shot, Mr. President, and he's making nice shots, and apparently it's this great vintage pool table, um, but that's a uh, Da Vinci Code thing that. Paul Weimer just reminded me of. And the, the other scene, and this is reminiscent of Tom's. Tom, you had one where somebody gets stabbed. What was it? Oh, well, in Dark Knight, you know, Dark Knight, uh, Heath Dark Ledger Knight. breaks the pool cue and gives it to the guys to fight with. Yeah. Uh, well, the one I, I can't believe nobody else brought up is is the pool, the, the opening pool scene. Well, it's not opening, but it's basically the first time the character interacts with anybody in Terminator 2 Judgment Day um, when he goes into the bar. And he's like, and he and he goes, looks at all the guys, and goes, "I need your clothes, your your uh, your your boots, and your motorcycle, and your motorcycle." And the guy puts a cigar a cigar out on him, and then he just smashes everybody up. Oh, and God, he ends oh up, that's right. A guy yeah. stabs him, and then he stabs the guy through the shoulder into the bumper of the pool table, and like pins him to the pool table. Uh, and you know, oh, other guys good, like yeah. go after him with pool cues, and then they run away. So there's this whole like it's a biker bar, and they're all playing pool, and he stabs the guy into the pool table. So, so that yeah. those are the only two I had. Right. Hmm. Takes me back. All right. Well, Kelly Wand <laughs> takes me back <laughs> to Terminator Two. Yeah. <laughs> takes me back to seeing that movie. And when I had a couple mishaps in my own billiards career, you've had cigars put out on your chest before. Yeah, only recreationally <laughs> and for charity. My if you had known that that jerk told you to chill out in Hercules, I would that would have tempted me. To you would have defended Dingus's honor. Well, I, I mean, what the heck? I don't I know. Laugh in a movie. I, I could have like engaged him in conversation. I'm like, am I not supposed to laugh? Well, that's part of the problem. Uh, what's wrong? Yeah. No, fuck that guy. I agree with you. I like weird laughers. But, I don't know. I, it's totally allowed. There's nothing like yeah, nothing to talk. I've never heard a movie where you're not supposed to laugh. Well, yeah. it, I, well, you know, the first thing I thought after he said it, and I sat there kind of feeling like, am I supposed to feel guilty right now? The first thing I thought was uh, Robert De Niro in Cape Fear. Right. That might be <laughs> inappropriate. That <laughs> guy maybe should chill out. Like, if I was watching a movie and he was doing that, I might go, I wouldn't go, dude, chill out. I'd be like, sir, you're being disruptive. <laughs> like Nick Nolsey did? Yeah. 
Well, uh, well, yeah, but they had a little backstory going. So I thought it when I'm playing Battlefield, and if I use the microphone to say anything, oh, God, here it goes. Oh, God. Yes, <laughs> everyone. Yes, right. Go ahead. What? Everyone says, "Hey, stop talking stupid on the microphone." That's not what it's for. But they'll either never say anything. Oh, right, yeah, I've never heard anybody uh, chastised for saying stupid stuff during a video game. That never happens. <laughs> That's the only thing they're used for. And right. Chastisement is what the, they're used for more than anything, even more than the stupid thing that he's taking issue with. Like, hey, oh, okay, stupid guy, say dumb things. Now I'm going to punish you for three hours. <laughs> but are you doing, like, a constant funny commentary that we would love and would annoy them? No, I just go, oh, I think there's a bullet. Never mind. <laughs> Which to me is cute and fun. And also it's instructive and helpful for the squad or platoon. Uh, I just got shot, you guys. Uh, guys, there's a guy on the stairs. Okay, guys, I'm spawning back uh, in space. Back at B. Wait, D. I'm at B or D or C. Okay, guys, I, I chose the assault Wrong kit. Guy. I have the assault kit this time. <laughs> guys, can you res me? How do I res myself? How do I go left? How do I reload? Guys, wait a minute. Are you guys doing my character now? Actually, we're playing right now. Can you stop interrupting? <laughs> oh, I apologize. I'm in 26th. I'm gonna go get a Mountain Dew. Kelly Wan, what is next week's three by three? The one I was gonna say, I think it's a really cool one. Like, I want to hear what the listeners will do. But it, I was trying to think of just three of my own, and then I got stuck. Like, you can't even think of one, so I may change it. So instead of doing the one I thought we were gonna do. It's uh, three best bits of advice from a character. <laughs> Kelly Wand, uh, do you have any advice for him? Yeah, Kelly Wand, uh, that one is not – Kelly Wand, I advise you for next week's podcast to think of your three favorite bits of advice from a movie. That's my advice to you. Yeah. What do you think of that topic? Well, we'll find out next week, won't we? Oh, come on. Give I think you should have covered your microphone and asked Tom before you made sure that you were going to do this. <laughs> All right, you want to do the other one? No, this is great. You're, you're fine. Yeah, you've, you've laid it out there. It's yeah. there. It's escaped. Wait, I like the horse is out of the barn. It's in do you have any questions? Because well, you, you guys are pussies. Nope. None whatsoever. No questions right. at all. Right. I'm going to take off the table. Uh, oh, God. When um, Lombada is off the table. Well, I think it's going to be a suicide run, and then Luke goes, no, shooting womp rats was suicide. Not advice, not advice. Uh, Take off the table uh, Don Johnson's uh, five lessons of pool he learned from his dad and Harley Davidson, (laughs) the Marlboro man. Dwayne Johnson? Take that off the table. Take those off the table? Also, take off the table everything that Woody Harrelson said in Killer Joe. And in that that farm movie he's in. (laughs) All right, so uh, if you're listening and you have uh, examples of advice that you want to... Stop listening. Ignore this next part. Oh, I like this. I actually like this. This is going to be a good topic. So send your picks to 3 by 3 at quarter to 3, the number 3, the letter X, the number 3, at, and you spell out quarter to 3.com, and see uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm. How do you feel about this? Mm. I'm nervous about it. Nervous? Yeah. Because my uh, my nine year old really wants to see it, he's very excited. Um, but given who the director is, and I trust him as a director, but I also know his work. Gushy, I know Gushy, uh, and I've heard a couple of people just sort of mention on podcasts that it's very violent. I feel like uh, I have to go see it first and then decide whether I'm going to take my kid to it. So I'm a little nervous about it. I would like to just be able to take him to it, but I don't think I can. Maybe I you should preview just- it. Just jump ahead, Dingus, to showing him uh, Super 
Which is Jamie Gunn's Tom, own. How dare you? He will see he will see kick ass before he sees. <laughs> wow, that's, that's that's terrible parenting thing. Well, <laughs> no one ever accused me of being a good one. I kick ass before super. What kind of what kind of dad would do that to his son? Okay. I would show my kid way more violent shit than Guardians of the Galaxy. I think. Like before he gets like toughen him up. I, well, I don't. The, the point is, I don't know yet. I don't. I don't know how. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to be like. Because uh, I saw that shit. I saw pretty violent. Like movies. Hercules violence with uh, suggestive comments. Uh, <sighs> but did we see that was recently there was super soft PG thirteen? Uh, Hercules. No, even. Oh yeah, yeah. No, Purge was a super soft R, wasn't it? Yeah, it was yeah, a very yeah. soft R. Super soft R. Might as well have been a PG thirteen. Transformers. Um, that Transformers was rated PG, movie. I think. Dark Knight. Uh, all right, so Guardians of the Galaxy, we will be seeing, and we will be talking about our three favorite bits of advice. Uh, we would love you to send in your choices for that. Uh, I am Tom Chick. I have been joined by Christian Moloski. It's Christian Morosky. And, uh, Kelly Wand. Uh. Stand an arrow straight. Arrow straight, get it? Ah, uh, see? Charging from the gate. Ah, uh, See how perfect? That's see? perfect. Carrying the way. Yeah, wait. Like, oh. Hard against the What's that, babe? Well, Tom and Dingus, but especially Dingus, uh, Hercules, also a Marvel Comics uh, hero character, so maybe we'll see a third one this year. Excuse me, that was my moment. 